5021 David, we got a fender down and two GSWs to the chest. I need you to meet us at Molly's. <laughs> For the most powerful podcast on the planet. Ladies and gentlemen, I go by the name of Leroy Hawkins, and if you're not listening, you obviously ain't learning. Copy that. All sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shy Hearts, welcome to Webisode. Webisode? Guys, today was a very big day. Today being Thursday for, for my boyfriend and I, I might have some champagne in my system on an empty stomach. So. Tell them why. Oh, we we're homeowners. My boyfriend and I are officially homeowners. It's exciting. I'm so excited for you guys. Thank you. Thank like, you. So 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 excited. And I can't wait to come visit and to help you set up your Funko collection. And it's just all gonna be amazing. Get your ass down here. When are you coming to visit me? I don't know, but eventually. Get your ass down here. We're both gonna be fully vaxxed soon enough. So I will next week. Uh, I, you know, I get my next second shot next week. I should get mine the week after next. So, okay, let's try that again. Welcome to episode 176 of Meet Us at Molly's. We're going to cover this week's episodes 611, 911, and 811. Uh, yeah, I just now that I've already started off with webisode, I'm just like, I'm almost positive I'm going to mix up Ethan and April's names just like I always do. <laughs> great start great start you actually you don't even see my setup next to me but i've got a glass of wine next to a glass of champagne so we're just like oh great yeah um, i'm not even drinking but you know brenda has got caffeine she is the sensible one of the two of us not even caffeine just a warm drink that i'm hoping will keep me awake (laughs) so as always we like to start with the news and we do have some which is awesome so we've got episode descriptions these are for episodes 12 was there an air date on these no, I don't think so. Let me double check. Because well, as I- we know, we did not get promos this week, which leads us all to believe that there is a hiatus next week. Yeah. Okay. I was doing some investigate. Well, not investigating, I guess some guessing last night when I realized they obviously we weren't getting new episodes next week. Mm-hmm. Okay. The rumor is that we potentially are getting 16 episodes this season. I think we are getting 16. I think okay. I, I think David did an interview like a week or two ago and he confirmed it. said it. 16. Okay. <laughs> we know that the finales are the 26. Yep. That means including next week, there is two, including next week, there's two weeks that we would have off. Okay. So like next week and one other week somewhere, because like, for example, if we took next week off, came back on the 21st, then that would mean 13 would air on the 28th and then yeah, I think that's right. 12, no, 13, 14, 15. Yeah, there's like only room for it's next week and then one other week somewhere for a hiatus. And then otherwise we're getting episodes every Wednesday. Noted. That's just me investigating. If it's 15, then obviously there's another week somewhere, but I don't know. Nope, 16. I'm happy with that. So. But they're only filming like 13, I think. They're only on they? filming like 13, I think so. Oh, wow. So 13 or 14. So I don't know. Okay. All right. So episodes 12, we don't know when they're airing, but they're airing uh, eventually. Um, I will say of the three of these, Med and Fire, like really worry me. Uh, well, 
we'll get to the fire one. <laughs> okay. We'll so one. Chicago Med 612, this is called Some Things Are Worth the Risk. Dean and Ethan respond to a scene that brings back some bad memories. When Carol's condition worsens, Natalie is willing to do whatever it takes to get her mom feeling better. Uh, this, this worries me. Why? What part worries you? Are we really going to do this to Nat? What, killer mom? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But also, like, I'm wondering, like, how far is far for Natalie? Eh. That's what I'm saying. It's otherwise just a normal episode for her. Would, I mean, is there anything Natalie would do that would shock us by this point? Not really. <laughs> I think her, like, going, her far point was when she locked herself in the room with the kid. That was like, oh, okay, like, Natalie's going to any lengths to help her patients. Yeah. So, and especially now that her mom's involved, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. Take us through fire. Okay. Fire 912 is called Natural Born Firefighter. While Malch makes an incredible save, all eyes are on a mystery man who helped save his neighbor. Casey worries about his future at the CFD. We're still doing this. We're still dancing the is Jesse Spencer leaving dance. I don't like it. I don't. I actually feel more confident in saying he's not after this week's episode. And even if I talk myself into that, I don't care because that's how I feel. I feel more confident in saying he's not leaving. So I'm ignoring that part. I feel a lot better about where things are going after this week's episode. I really enjoyed this week's episode. So we'll just talk about it when we get there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot to say. (laughs) and pd812 is called due process the team pursues a crafty serial rapist sergeant voigt finds himself resisting some old familiar tendencies in his quest for justice oh really oh really oh really (laughs) we're going there are they old tendencies if he never really gave them up to begin with but honestly i mean I was thinking about this as I was rewatching PD tonight. He, not that he's given them up, but we've definitely, I think, seen somewhat of a change this season. Or and maybe I don't know if it's much we've seen a change is that they haven't just focused on it, so it feels like we've seen a change. Um, but it feels different this season, and I think last night kind of highlighted that. Maybe. But then, yeah. like, if we're gonna have an episode like this, then maybe that was just the one-off. He did threaten the guy in this week's episode. He threatened to just, like, lie to the ASA. Or not the ASA, but he he pretty much threatened to be like, you better talk or I'm going to do this and make it look like, you know, you fucked up. Okay. Yes, and I'm not saying that's great, but comparatively, I don't know. Yeah. It just feels like this season overall has not been as bad. But now we're going to have a whole episode that's based on it. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. There, There's a lot to dissect in this episode of PD tonight. A lot. A lot. Yeah. So um, we've also got a couple of questions on Matt's inside line. You guys know what that is. It's uh, Matt Medovich. He basically takes fan questions about different shows and um, in this week's Matt's Inside Line, we got not one, not two, but three One Chicago questions. Three. We were blessed. Hashtag blessed. Yes. So, uh, Brenda, take us through the first one. Okay. 
So it says, anything you can share about what's in store for Chicago Fire's Brett? And the answer was, showrunner Derek Haas tells Inside Line that in the near future, Kara Kilmer's paramedic is going to find herself stuck between a rock and a ski trip. Which, clearly, this came out, obviously, before last night's episode, so we know what this is. Yeah. And she chooses the rock, so... I know. Hmm. Hmm. And I love it. Love it, too. Um, the other question was, will we see more Kylie on Chicago Fire? We love her. Yeah, we do. We do. Um, is this, do we know this, Christine? I don't know. Is this the Christine in our patron group? Yeah, is this patron Christine? I don't know. I hope so, because that would make me really happy. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I love that this fandom is still small enough that you see names and you're like, I know them. I know. <laughs> love Same. it. So um, Derek said, we love her too. And yes, she is now part of Firehouse 51. You will be seeing her very soon when she helps Stella through an intense situation. Already here for that storyline. We stand. Kylie is a queen. I, we stand. She got Stella right back together. We will forever <laughs> be grateful to her. Forever indebted to Kylie. Yeah. But yeah. also, I'm just already here for that situation. That friendship. Just yes. Yep. Yes. To all of that. Yes. Yes. Okay, the last one, it says, will it be difficult for Chicago PD's Burgess to deal with the job and the responsibility she has with Michaela now? And the answer says, we ran your cue by Patrick John Fluger, who, of course, plays Burgess's special someone, Rusick. And he is of the mind that if anybody can do it, Burgess can. She's the A student. Everything she does, she gives 120%. Sometimes I can't tell where Rusick ends and Patty begins. <laughs> I know. That's honestly why it's the greatest. It really is the greatest. Like, pa Patty loves Marina the same, just as much, if not more, as Ruzik loves Burgess. I know. It's adorable. It's so cute. So, so good. So that's about all the news we've got. But as always, you guys are really good about sending us stuff. You know, us, internet, big, giant internet out there. Sometimes we miss things. You guys are great about that. Thank you. We do appreciate it. Uh, we do have a patron shout out this week. Connor Gibson, welcome aboard. Welcome. Um, I see you're already lighting up the Facebook group. So like we love it. you will fit right in. Yes. Yep. So <laughs> fit right in. So um, if you would like to support the podcast for as little as $2 a month, please check out the link in our socials to our Patreon page. So many cool bonus stuff. There's bonus episodes. There's the discount to the merch store, which you should definitely check out because Haley has been incredible with the designs lately. Um, yep. And I'm about to update the squad goal shirt again for like the fourth <laughs> or fifth time and include Violet on there now. So yeah. So we've got squad goal shirts. Like, you know, the shirts that we're talking about, you know, when like it's the cast of friends and it's like Joey and Monica and Rachel and all them, we've got those for one Chicago for like every iteration since we've opened our merch store. <laughs> Quite literally. Especially got, fire. It's yeah. like ridiculous how many iterations. We've got Mackie. Like we've got Rojas. We've probably we've got, got Aaron. We've got Violet. Yeah. Quite literally. So yeah, yeah, definitely check that out. Um, the Facebook group is popping. It's a lot of fun. We just talk. Like we just talk. It's a good time. Yeah, so. it's so fun. So yeah, definitely check that out. The link is in our socials. You can figure out which tab is best for you or which tier and, you know, just, just let us know if you have any questions. So it's around. All right. Without further ado, let's move into the episode, shall we? Let's do it. Oh boy. Okay. All right. So 
Um, we were hashtag blessed on this particular one, Chicago Wednesday, because not did not only did we get one I love you, we got two I love yous. Yes, we did. And one was expect well, one was expected from one half. I didn't expect the second half of that couple to say it. But then we got one that was completely out of the blue and I completely blew my mind. Yeah. In the best way. Yeah, yeah, completely. And that that was a one-two punch too. Like the first I love you happened, I was like, oh. And then the second I love you, I was like, oh. (laughs) I know. So good. Just everything about the storyline we're about to talk about is just... So yeah, it's like really exciting. We got two first time I love you's, but it also worries me because this is one Chicago. So I'm like, are they buttering us up? (laughs) I'm like, stop. Stop. Don't jinx it. Okay. 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 Fine. Fine. I will put it out into the universe. All right. All right. Fine. Okay. We're going to start with Mansell and I'm just going to hand this to Bryna so that her Mansell heart (laughs) can burst into a million pieces. Take it away. Okay. So we start off and Crockett is sitting on the couch at Natalie's with Natalie's mom and he's telling this very intense story mm-hmm. and I had no idea at first what he was talking about I was like where is he going with the story and then as it turns out Crockett is very into photography and he's talking about the time he caught or took a photograph of a gator like right that came like right in front of him they're bonding I know and I loved every minute of it and so Natalie walks back in the room and she's just talking about how like, oh yeah, I put Owen down, you know, he went out, he's like out like a light. And I'm like, wait a second. So Crockett and Owen have met and now we missed it. We got robbed. Okay. We straight up got robbed. Every single one of us that Owen and Crockett met and we did not see it. I'm just going to be like a Stephanie Tanner and be like, how rude. <laughs> how rude. We're not mad, med writers. We're just disappointed. Right? Like, ugh. especially because they kind of made, like, not a big deal, but they made a deal of it when Natalie's mom first came on a couple episodes ago. And she's like, well, have you introduced him to Owen yet? And I was like, no, not yet. I haven't done, you know, I'm not there yet. And now we find out they're like, not BFFs necessarily, but they've clearly met probably multiple times now. And I'm like, ugh. I just feel so robbed. How do you think Crockett is with kids? Amazing. I imagine he's like severide where he just kind of straight up talks to them like they're adults. Yeah. It's just, I mean, he had a kid and we know we've kind of seen clips now of what that bond was like. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I'm sure he's amazing with kids. I can't believe we did not see that. I feel so robbed. Yeah. Never letting them live that down. No. Anyway. No. (laughs) So we get further into the conversation though. And we, Nat's mom is so judgy. A little bit, a little bit. So, because she starts talking about like Crockett's background and she's asking him if he has siblings, which of course he does, he has sister. And, you know, she's like, oh, well, your parents, I hear immigrated from Iran. And she's like, so does that make you Muslim? And he's like, no, that makes me, I'm a Zoroastrian. Zoroastrian. And she's like, what's that? And he talks about it. You know, it's basically a faith that's built on three pillars, good thoughts, good words, good deeds. Um, but just like the look on Nat's mom's face this whole time, she just, it's one of the things where it's like, why? No, just, she's just so judgy. Was she judgy about it or was she just not subtle? What do you mean? Like, I, cause when I, when I first saw that scene, I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? Like, you're so judgy. But 
now that I think about it, I'm like, was she judgy or did she just lack a filter in that moment? Like, I mean, I, I think that's kind of the same thing, no? No, I, well, she, hmm, that's a good question. That would be like me just meeting you for the first time and being like, hey, Bryna, I hear you're Jewish. Like, awkward. Yeah, I mean, I, okay, I get what you're saying, but I think it's both. Mm-hmm. I think she clearly has no filter, but also just some of the looks on her faces, it's kind of like, I'm not here for this. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we're at the hospital now, and Natalie ends up apologizing to Crockett for her mom. And he's like, oh, you know, it's no big deal. I'm used to it. You know, I grew up in the Bible Belt. It's, you know, I'm, just, I'm used to it. He handled it well. Yeah, he did. Um, which I didn't like, I expected him to. We, mm-hmm. He's Crockett. Um, but anyway, so Nat and Crockett are working together this week, and the patient they get is a, what we call, or what they call a professional patient, you know, someone who's literally just always in the hospital. And so she's having this, like, abdominal pain, and, you know, but she's such, you know, like, she's a professional patient, so she's like, in my bag, there's my medical records, everything you need, and so Natalie goes and grabs it, and, you know, they start running some tests or whatever, and everything comes back normal, but she's still having this pain and just wants answers. She's been dealing with this for like 16 years and nobody's ever given her like a good, clear answer on why she's in so much pain. I get ragey when a doctor doesn't listen to me once. 16 years of doctors just like brushing me off. Oh my God. Yeah, I can't even, I'd be ragey if it was like a month of no answers. 16 years. That's a horrible way to live. Yeah. Anyway, so they're trying to figure out what's causing her pain. Meanwhile, Carol has sent Crockett a Persian spice set. Dude, that's so sweet. Yeah, but also a little like, oh, see, I can get along with your culture. You know, I'm totally down. I, you know, I can be. And so I first, I was like, yeah, that's sweet. But also like, uh, it's a little cringy. It's kind of like, it's kind of like she's showing her age because it's like, Good effort, but, like, a little too blunt. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. good effort, but you got to tone it down a little bit. Right. And Natalie feels the same way. Natalie's like, oh, my God, I can't believe she did that. And Crockett's like, no, it's sweet. You know, he's like, I never got a gift like that from my ex-in-laws. And then he starts to tell Natalie, you know, that, like, he and Claire were opposites. And, like, he wasn't who his ex-in-laws envisioned Claire settling down with. And so Natalie's like, kind of gets this thing in her head about, like, oh, well, I wonder then if that's, you know, that because that's clearly the way her mom was kind of seeing it, too, that, like, I wonder if I'm going to just be another Claire. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so now we go back to their patient, and they run a CT, and they end up finding a compressed renal vein, also known as Nutcracker Syndrome. <laughs> what a name. I know. What a name. <laughs> yeah. And then she's got some other kind of condition, too, which I can't remember the name of. I, I don't um, think it had a name, but they kept referring to it as loin pain, which, like, okay, my boyfriend and I watch a lot of cooking shows, okay? So, I, like, I can't, I couldn't take them seriously between nutca- Nutcracker Syndrome and loin pain. I was like, you, do you want me to laugh right now? Do you not want me to laugh right now? I'm having a hard time here. But anyway, so they finally, ca- I mean, the point, they finally figured out, like, what's going on with her. And then, but she's like, okay, great. Well, so then how do we, you know, get rid of my pain? And 
the problem is though that there's two options and none of them involve eliminating both conditions that she has which is kind of crazy to think about and so she's like oh, you know it's just agony on top of misery like and she's like i'm just always gonna live in pain so but natalie and crockett don't give up of course so crockett has decided he's just gonna straight up relocate the kidney this is such big connor rhodes energy but i love it though i know i love it too but i also love the thing about crockett that i love is yes like in a moment like this it's such big connor rhodes energy but he doesn't he's not cocky and overconfident about it right which is why it's so compelling exactly exactly it's not like connor would just be like we're gonna relocate the kidney and then practically like stand on a pedestal with his cape like flapping in the wind crockett is like we're gonna relocate it not because i have a god complex because i'm trying to solve a problem right yeah and i'm trying to help my patient yeah and not the more they myself, not make myself look good but i'm actually trying to help my patient eliminate pain that she's had for 16 fucking years right right and i don't i don't think connor like i don't think connor like consciously was like i'm doing this to make myself look good but i think like it stroked his ego which helped him with some like past trauma yeah which i i you know i get it but it is just such a difference in the two characters and it is something it's i think while i did love connor rhodes i definitely gravitate in this and i gravitate towards someone more like crockett in this instance crockett's more Uh, relatable yeah 100 percent yeah yeah but the more they explained this procedure though when he first was like we're just gonna shift the kidney i was like the fuck rocket and then the more they explained it i was like oh this is actually entirely plausible and then i was like i see what you did there yeah Mm -hmm. yeah but then we end the episode with a mansell roof scene and i just feel so hashtag blessed the moment you came into my life My history became just that. History. I love you, Natalie. I love you too. Oh my god. That was pretty fucking perfect. Guys, I loved everything about this so much. Yeah. I mean... He just, the way he handled it, and I thought it was getting bad, and, like, the when they first started talking, I was like, I swear to God, Natalie, if you break up with him, or this just ends badly, I just, I have a bad feeling about this, and then Crockett said that line about, you know, when I first, you know, once I met you, like, my history was just that history, I was like, first of all, damn, that is a good line. Mm-hmm. Second of all, I was like, oh, and then I started, like, squealing. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. After that first line, I like practically threw myself on the bed. I was like, this is such a healthy relationship. Oh my God. It really is though. And that's the thing. And it's, there's open dialogue between the two of them and honesty and they communicate and it's just healthy and happiness. And I just love everything about it. Crockett is just so Mm self-aware in a very healthy way. Because he's an actual adult. (laughs) Yes. He's an actual adult who's been through some real shit. And honestly, I mean, I know we like make fun of the fact that Natalie is Natalie and, you know, does a lot of, you know, crazy stuff for her, the patients, but she, you know, I can respect that. I don't necessarily always agree with it, but I can respect that she does what she does for the sake of her patients. Mm -hmm. But she's also been through some 
shit that we don't talk about. Yeah. You know, I mean, she lost her husband in war and while she was pregnant with their baby. And we don't ever talk about that. We don't. And so Crockett lost his child. She lost her husband. Like, they, I feel like they have it, a lot in common just in that regard. And so, like, yeah, Crockett is a real adult who's been through some shit. And so is Natalie. And they're both, I think, at the point in their lives where, like, they don't want to play games. And they're just, you know, ready for that. I get that. I get that with Crockett. I don't know where Natalie stands. Like, I don't know if she's at that point where she's just like, I, I, I yeah. I don't, I don't know, know if she's at the point. I definitely, definitely, I, I want to believe that Natalie's there. I think she is, but I don't know. I like part of me. I'm not even gonna say it. I don't want to jinx it. I'm just gonna live in my life. No, you gotta say it now. You gotta say it now. No, I was gonna. What I was gonna stop you from saying earlier. I'm not even gonna say it. Oh, uh, okay. No, she's not. No. What? I don't know. Maybe now we're not talking about the same thing anymore. Are you worried about Tori leaving? No. Oh, okay. No. Oh, oh, that the writers are buttering us up just to like. Yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. We're not going. Yeah, I'm not even putting that back out in the universe. But anyway, I'm just going to live in my Mansell happy bubble because it was amazing. And I love that all these scenes happen on the roof. I love that they end episodes this way. I just, I'm loving it. I'm really but But we got, okay, but, but it's the roof, air quotes. You remember the set tour and they they showed us the roof during yeah. Chicago Day? Okay, most weeks I'm like, I can't tell. Like, that's really impressive. I could totally tell this week that it was like a curtain. Yeah. Well, and it was so interesting. What was, there was a, oh, it was, um, Lutlow had posted those like behind the scene photos mm-hmm. and how they had the set of From Fire, but it was like actually built on the soundstage of their call at the deli. And I was like, oh, I definitely could not tell that that was a thing that they built on the soundstage. I was like, that's really cool. TV magic. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. Just, I really love Mansell and it's just. They are, honestly, they really are like quite wonderful. Honestly, it may be my favorite thing <laughs> that Met has ever done. <laughs> really? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, Brenda just went on the record and said that. I don't, it's true. I, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So listener thoughts. Allie said, okay, but when Chicago has given me trust issues and because Mansell has been going so well, I can't help but wait for the other shoe to drop. Allie said it. I didn't. Allie, we're not talking about it. We're not talking about it. (laughs) She said, I just hope it's not a dramatic season finale cliffhanger that we have to sit on for months. Brenna's covering her ears. (laughs) (laughs) You, you, You know it's going to be though. Shut up. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. I'll cross that bridge when I get there. Okay. All right. Fine. Then take us to Casey. Okay. Casey said, I can't decide whether or not the love confession between Natalie and Crockett was a bit premature. I do love Mansell and have been happy with their development this far, but this seems a bit fast. Also, are we assuming that from that opening scene that Crockett has met Owen? I'm confused. We are totally assuming that. And we're not yeah. happy about it. We're not happy. I definitely it. think that's what that means because how is Crockett in their apartment right now and not have met Owen? Mm-hmm. So at least once for sure. Um, I kind of see, I see where you're coming from Casey about the premature thing, but I think it's just such a different kind of relationship for both of them clearly. And I don't, I personally don't think it's a premature, but I can see why. I mean, it's really only been, 
like five or six episodes that me and Sal's like been together. So I get that, but I don't know. To me, it's not. just This, this kind of goes back to what you were saying before about how both of them are trying to cut out the bullshit, right? Uh, and I, I, this is what I liked about both I Love Yous that we got on this night. I'm not comparing either one. They both stand alone. But the only thing these two have in common is that I think we've gotten to a point where we're past the bullshit, where we've cut out the drama, we've cut out the angst, and they both know. And if they know, cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. Like, that's fine. Yeah. I definitely agree. Mm-hmm. Um, Samantha said, the Mansell scenes this week are, were amazing yet again. I'm loving them more and more each week, even though I don't think I'll ever not be Team Manstead. I'm a little upset we didn't get to see Crockett meeting Owen, though. But the <laughs> ending Mansell scene just made up for it. The moment you came into my life, my history just became that. Became just that. History. I can't. We even got an I love you. Against my wishes, Mansell is earning a place in my heart. Yeah, they're growing on you, aren't they? I know. And I... I'm just, I'm so glad that I was clearly one of the first people on this Mansell train and I just, I will ride this wave proudly. Yeah. Brian is captaining the ship and now I'm just like, I'm there, but I'm just like, go girl, like captain this ship. Don't hit an iceberg. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Part of me really wants to go back and find that audio from last year when I started first talking about Mansell and just be like, see, see, I was right. (laughs) Just so you can be like, you were all wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. It's awesome. So next up we have Sharon. Okay. So Sharon has set up some new red tape for the farmer reps and Michael's not happy because this is pretty much directly in response to what Michael did last week when he was all, Hey Crockett, let's get creative with this device. And she, Michael's like, come on, admit like, this is what, this is because of me. And Sharon's like, yeah, it was like, she really can be kind of ugly to him sometimes. Yeah, but I mean, it also, I mean, not that I think it makes it any better, but I think it's better than saying like, no, it wasn't about you. I, I mean, and she says the updates are solely to protect the hospital, but she does at least admit that like indirectly it is about Michael. And I think that is better than her lying and saying, no, it wasn't about him. Right, right. But it just, it, she, she is kind of hard on him. Yeah, she is. So, um, and while this is going on, Dr. Charles is like, want to get coffee? He's like, I, you know, she's like, yeah, I, I don't have time, but whatever. Um, Heather Hetley's back. Gwen is back. Hello. So Hello. It, pro- it seems kind of random because like we literally haven't heard about Gwen in a long time. And now she definitely isn't coming back because they just started filming Sweet Magnolia season two. So she definitely won't be coming back this season. She just kind of pops in and out at random times. Yeah. And now that she's been, now that I love Sweet Magnolias and I've seen her on that, I'm like, I can't then also see here's Gwen because I'm like, no, she is Helen. She is Helen. Wait, what is Sweet Magnolias? Well, just tell me what I, I just, I told you, I just finished Umbrella Academy. I need a new show. You don't see the face Brian like is giving me right now. Hallmark in a perfect, it's based on a book series. But it's like a Hallmark movie in a show. Oh. It's amazing. And it's so good. How many episodes? Uh, Ten. Now I know what I'm watching this weekend. Cool. Yeah. We literally, Christine and Rachel B and I talked about it like all summer. It came out at the beginning, like at the end, like beginning of summer last year. Hmm. And now they're filming. They just literally started filming season two yesterday. But and so anyway, point being, Heather Headley plays like one of the main three women on the show, and so now I can't see her as anything but that character. 
so but yeah I would love to get Heather Headley on the podcast oh my god I I would would love that Broadway with her you would see a whole different nerdy side of Gina and Bryna oh my god I if we ever get Josh Chigara on this podcast oh man the Broadway talk the Broadway talk is gonna be unreal it might be like a full-on sing-along on this podcast for like (laughs) who knows how long but actually though oh my gosh so yeah Gwen is pissed about the new pharma guidelines and she's just basically like guess what Sharon I can override you and Sharon's like you suck (laughs) like it's about all there is to it so while this is happening, Maggie comes to Sharon with a really fantastic idea to just kind of expand med's training program. Because she mentioned that, you know, with the pandemic, med school and nursing school apps are through the roof. And mm-hmm. so Maggie had this idea to kind of expand things. And so Sharon just kind of hit the pause button on that. She was like, listen, right now, Gwen is up my ass trying to like sabotage things. I can't talk about it, but like, we'll talk. So mm-hmm. just going to put that in the back of our brains. So... After that, Sharon finally brings Dr. Charles some coffee. They are the cutest BFFs. I will say that. I really want to do a one Chicago, like maybe during like hiatus, hiatus. I really want to do like a one Chicago brew, like top 10 brew TP episode. I love that. Um, Because I think they're definitely in there somewhere, but I want to do a one Chicago brew TP episode. Um, I think we've officially got the first two topics for hiatus like done. What else? The top 10 bird TVs. We got to do the Berzik episode. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Start prepping now. Oh, my God. The Berzik episode is going to take, like, eons of research and prep. But it's going to be so worth it. And by the end of it, we might be crying. But who knows? Who knows? Anyway. (sighs) Yeah. So Dr. Charles finally gets Goodwin to admit that the stricter protocols are due to Michael's actions last week. Shrug. Uh, so Sharon finally talks to Michael at the end and she admits she's like yeah some of the motive was personal so Michael's like I get it and that's why I'm leaving med that's happening definitely the right choice definitely the right choice yes and he just says he's like you cast a long shadow and it's time I get out from under it and so this was a moment where I was like oh oh these two are way more alike than like than you think yeah and also that's just super relatable too you know Mm -hmm. like it when you're seeing you know when you work I mean I know because I've worked with my dad many times like sometimes it makes you feel like you're only seen as their son or their Mm -hmm. daughter and sometimes you want to like branch out and you know do something different and yeah plus I think Sharon's probably worried that if Michael does something bad it's going to reflect on her Mm-hmm. and that yeah. or maybe even too that she wouldn't be able to feel like she could punish him in the way if that were to ever happen mm-hmm. because you know it's like oh well he's my son so do I need to be harsher than I actually probably should be mm-hmm. or am I going to end up being more lax because he's my son with the punishment yeah I just it's the right move for Michael to leave in yeah it is it is for sure so uh, Megan said, Sharon, t- Sharon telling people off is my favorite thing ever, especially when she's dealing with Garrett. We're blessed because we've had Sharon being snarky and interact with both Maggie and Dr. Charles. Yeah, I would never want to be on the other side of Sharon telling someone off. No, never. But also, like, she tells people off, but then also when it comes to, like, her doctors doing dumb shit, she's just kind of like, don't do that again true kind of can't read Sharon but I also would never want to be on that end of her being like this is unprofessional I'd be like okay I get it I'm sorry 
I'm gonna fire myself. <laughs> no. I don't know. Um, any other notes on Sharon? No. All right. It's Ethan time. Ethan and Will time, really. Yeah. Or Take Ethan it. and Sabina time. Sabina too, yes, yes. Um yeah, just take it away. Go ahead. Okay. All right. So we start out and we see this like scene of Will and Sabina planning to do this, I guess it's a Hello Fresh for like five course meals. Because see, they're talking about this like meal package thing that comes to your door, but it's a five course meal and all you have to do is like cook it. I I I don't know. Will has never struck me as the foodie type. I love that that's where you went. I'm over here like, what is this HelloFresh for a five-course meal? And you're like, Will Will cooks? (laughs) I've never really thought about it. Um, Oh, my God. I mean, the first place my mind went was like, oh, that would be such a good date with Will. Because I'm pathetic. Yeah, and you're facepalming. I know. You're just such Will Halstead trash. I know. I know. (laughs) It's, like, amazing, but also frustrating. You love it. I don't know if I would say that, but... I know, which is why I prefaced (laughs) it in the outline by saying, don't say it, Gina, don't say it. Oh, man. But it's a thought I had. Anyway. So, Will leaves the conversation, and Sabina goes over to Ethan, and they go back to talking about chess, because that's how they flirt. And she's like, still waiting to hear back on that invitation to play chess. And Ethan's just like, maybe you should play with Will. Um, tell me Will is dumb without telling me Will is dumb. It didn't go well. He's a Czechs guy. That really is such a like intellectual way of being like, he's not on my level. Yeah. Did you ever watch The Queen's Gambit? Did you watch it yet? No, I haven't watched it You yet. need to watch it. I went and watched it in between the time we last talked about it and it is so good. So yeah, good. You're like now recreating it in Animal Crossing. That was one time. <laughs> and it was fun. I'm not judging. I just saying you recreated it in Animal Crossing. I did. And I had a good time. And I might have turned right around after that and recreated PD. And then fire. And then fire. <laughs> Where's med? Where's the love for med? It's coming. Those things take time. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. No, what you need to do is recreate Ned and you need to recreate Ethan and Sabina playing chess in (gasps) Animal Crossing. Challenge accepted. If my Switch wasn't dead right now, I would do it right now while we're recording. (laughs) Oh, man. Challenge accepted. Anyway, so we're going into the case now. We get this pro tennis player who comes in. Again, as we talked about, I guess, two weeks ago now, not actually a famous tennis player, just a fake thing. An actor playing a famous tennis player. Yes. Yes. Anyway, and he got drilled in the chest by a ball. And, you know, at first they're like, oh, well, yeah, it's definitely the impact that caused, you know, you to have all these issues, not your heart. Because he's having some issues with his heart and passing out and all that stuff, too. And then he crashes. So, So obviously it is your heart. Yeah, obviously it is your heart and a bunch of other things. Definitely wasn't the ball hitting you in the chest. Have you heard of this condition before? No. So it's like super, it's like, it's it's rare. But I, I mean, only because I've heard it on other medical shows. And like the first time I heard it, I think it was on like Chicago Hope. And I was in like the fourth grade. And I was like, that's ridiculous. But like, 
something has to hit your chest at like just the right moment of your heartbeat to like put it on the fritz but it's like just the right moment it's like super super rare but it's still scary anyway so then their Ethan's patient gets a nosebleed and he says you know that he gets them you know not often but you know often enough and it happens when he's stressed but like I don't think I've ever seen a nosebleed have that much blood. That was a lot of blood. And I know, I used to know a kid who got them all the time and I've never saw that much blood. Yeah. Like his whole gown was red. But anyway, so Ethan's like trying to figure out what's going on and Sabina's in the ER and she's like, oh, you know, I'm a cardiologist. Like, let me help you. And Ethan like dramatically stares at Will and then the camera pans back to Sabina and he's like, no, like, you know, you're not really a cardiologist here. So you should just stick to your trial. Your jealousy showing, Ethan. But the thing that annoys me is like, yes, I get it. He's jealous of Will. But if you also like her, then why are you denying, like, why are you being such an ass to her? You're not mad at her. You're mad at Will. But also, Sabina is a human being. She's not an object for you two to fight over. But you know what I'm saying is that, like, if you're mad at Will, then be mad at Will. Yeah. You clearly like her. So why are you being an ass to her? You like her. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I don't understand. Like, if you're mad at if you're mad at will okay fine i think it's dumb but be mad at will mm-hmm. don't take it out on her right no exactly and if you're mad at will for what went down last week be mad at will on a professional level you're gonna be mad at him over a girl too you are both professional doctors in your like 30s 40s whatever you are grown men and you're gonna fight over a girl really really thank god it never got that far with casey and Severide. <laughs> I couldn't imagine Casey and Severide fighting over a girl. At least if they, like, at least when they fought, it was over, like, I mean, there were some petty shit sometimes, but for the most part, it was, like, real stuff. I feel like Matt and Kelly have such different types that it would never, they would never fight over a girl because they, they just have such different types. Right. I That's what, that's what I'm saying. It's, like, it, at least when they fought, it was over, like, real shit yes yes for the most part not saying they didn't have their petty stuff every day but anyway point being ethan's taking it out on her when he actually likes her Mm -hmm. and like likes likes her so why are we doing this yep anyway but anyway so he takes a moment though and he reconsiders and ends up bringing her on to the case anyway but now their patient is coughing up blood so they're still trying to figure it out. And Sabina makes a comment about how, you know, maybe the nosebleeds is, a, you know, a sign for them to try to figure out because, you know, how, what is actually going on? Because like everything's connected and she tells a story about a previous patient of hers. Blah, 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 blah. So anyway, what we figure out is that the frequent nosebleeds are due to an AVM, which is a tangle of blood vessels in the lung. And that is ends up being a symptom of a genetic condition called HHT, which AFib is a symptom of that. So, and this guy's like, well, what about my career? And they're like, you're going to be fine with some medicine and maybe a surgery, but you're going to be fine. Kind of reverse engineered a condition there. Mm-hmm. So then shifts over, we're in the lounge and Ethan and Sabina are talking and she invites him to play chess, right? She has like a little mini board in her backpack 
and invites him to play chess and we have like a really cute moment because Ethan at first like no I'm okay whatever and then he agrees to play chess with her in the lounge and it's super there's cute. a sound right here that I missed she says something where she's like I don't think it's untowards of us like if of my relationship with Will if we mm-hmm. she said something like that and I missed yeah, it she, she basically is like yeah like I can still be into Will and like play chess with you Ooh, did Ethan get friend zoned I don't know but I think, see, the thing is, is like, she says she's into Will, but like, A, we've not seen it, and B, she's so into Ethan. Yeah. And I love it. I really like the Ethan and Verani, whatever, flirty, chess, nerdy, whatever. Listen, I mean, yeah, I'm, we all know I'm, I'm a shameless Will Halstead stan, but... I can also like rip him to shreds when need be. And, and Ethan is more on Sabina's level. It's just, that's just a fact of the matter. Ethan is just more on her level. Well, and I think not even that. I think they just have the better connection. Right. They have the better chemistry. Yeah. They have the better chemistry connection. Like they seem to actually have more inch. To, I mean, granted, we haven't really seen Sabina and Will beyond the trial stuff we saw early on, but it seems at least like what, Ethan and Sabina obviously have the chess connection. Like, I think they just have more in common. And don't outside forget. Outside of work. Outside yeah. Of work. No, absolutely. Don't forget that there is, there's a big shoe that needs to drop with Will and Sabina because Will lied about the trial. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. don't, don't forget that. I mean, that's, that's still, that's like the elephant in the room. But even beyond all of that, I just think Will or Ethan and Sabina have the better chemistry. They do. Like, it's just so, it, it's like, ooh, okay, ooh. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm into it. I'm, re- I'm ready to see where this goes. I feel like Will follows Sabina around like a puppy. Yeah, because he knows he lied to her and he's got to cover his ass. And, well, that, and I, I think he gets the validation from her that he doesn't get from Goodwin. Because remember, this whole thing started with a promotion. Yeah, and that's true. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So. Very good point. Megan says, if Will and Ethan do spend the rest of the season fighting just because of Verani, Will can win a battle, but I hope Ethan wins the war. <laughs> and then she said, hashtag Chirani. Yeah, I agree. Will can win a battle, but I hope Ethan wins the war. I yep. love, yeah. I, I think all that. of us are team Ethan in this one. Yeah. I'm team Ethan. I'm team Ethan, 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Allie said, damn, chess is really Ethan and Verani's version of Scrabble. And they're really <laughs> accurate. They're really developing this love triangle. Not here for the jealousy and soap opera. That's sure to ensue. No, thank you. <laughs> Casey said, I take back what I said about not being here for the Will Ethan Sabina love triangle because I have no emotional investment in this triangle. It actually makes it super fun to watch. However, I do think that Sabina is better with Ethan, but who doesn't love a good triangle? Fair. True. Samantha said, I'm still team Choi when it comes to Dr. Verani. I love their interactions this week. If the writers want to go ahead with a romance between these two, I'm all aboard. However, I don't like that she seems to be playing both Ethan and Will. She clearly had an attraction to both of them, and her line about seeing Will and playing chess with Ethan was not cute. She's clearly trying to have her cake and eat it, too. I didn't take it that way. I didn't necessarily take it that way, only because I still believe deep down that she's more into Ethan than she actually is into Will. I'd agree with that. Which I, is why I t- she's willing to play, you know, play chess with Ethan and have, you know, see Will. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
maybe she hasn't realized her feelings for Ethan yet. Maybe not. But I feel like she was so insistent about wanting to play chess with him that, like, I feel like she has to at least have some kind of crush on him. And she did check in on him right after he collapsed after his gallbladder surgery. She came to him. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. I didn't take this as her trying to play either one of them. I was just like, do your I thing, didn't girl. It, I, didn't think it may, I didn't take it in like a malicious thing, but mm-hmm. I definitely was like, no, she like is invested in wanting to spend time with Ethan and like play chess with him. She's mm-hmm. like determined to clearly make that happen. So what is she getting out of the Will relationship then? I don't know. A puppy. That was not where my mind was going. <laughs> not where my mind went. I mean, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's the Ethan Sabina stuff. Hmm. So moving into April. Okay. We didn't get to talk last week because one of us was sick. What what did you think of last week? How we, we might be hinting at April going to med school. Here for that. Yes, please. Yes. Just yes. Yes. To yes. all of it. I mean, even back when she first told that story about how, you know, she wanted to go to med school, but then, you know, the whole thing with Noah happened. And so she went to be a nurse instead. Um, I've kind of always thought that like eventually they would maybe go there, but mm-hmm. like now hell yes hell yes yeah it's good it's good so take us through april okay so lanik is in the covid ward arguing with a resident because of course he is of course but also an absolute travesty that his hair is up this week no lanik with the good hair oh i don't even get me started travesty i know lanik with the good hair Mm -hmm. um Anyway, so he, especially after how last things, how things went down last week, he has now requested April to help him in the COVID ward. And she's like, oh, you requested me? And he's like, yeah, I was one less person for me to micromanage. I mean. Hey, April gets to go back to where she really wanted to be anyway, so. And and the COVID ward is where she is at her best. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So her patient, though, is a COVID denier, which I thought was just kind of like, really? But yet you're in the COVID ward. Her name was Gina also. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but April is able to uh, get her to put her cannula back in or back on. And April actually ends up kind of duping her into agreeing to be intubated, too, when it comes to that point by grieving that COVID is just a hoax. Um, but if it works, it works. It works. It works. Yeah. What did what did Lanik tell her right before that? Because they what? they had they had a moment in the lounge when she was like, "Oh, like this patient," and he was like, "Oh, the COVID denier." He told her something, and I, I don't remember what it was. I don't remember. Uh, but anyway, so then Gina ends up crashing, and April calls him in on the walkie, and she's like, "He's like, okay, I'm on my way. I just got to suit up." And then she's still having issues, but then Lanik won't respond on the walkie because he's suiting up. So April makes the call to push meds without a doctor's order. I didn't have a problem with this. Really? Really? I think in the grand, in the grand scheme of 
like rule breaks on med this didn't bother me i mean yeah i guess that's fair in the grand scheme of things on med it did not bother me either i think the thing that really bothers me about this though is that like I get that her patient couldn't have waited, but like Lanik was literally about to come around the corner in two seconds and could have told her the exact same thing. And I get that she knows what she's doing, but like, and I don't want this to feel like, I feel like I'm going to be a bitch if I say this, but like, she's not a doctor. No, she's not. But if those two seconds were the difference between life and death, I I would want somebody to do that for me. I'd want them to do it for, you know, my mom, my dad, my sister, my niece, you, you know. Um. Yeah, I mean, I get that too. Maybe it's also because I've worked in a medical environment mm-hmm. and I've seen firsthand that like it can end up when people who aren't the actual doctors either give even just something simple as like medical advice when they're not supposed to and you know whatever like I've seen firsthand how that can like not end up in a great situation mm-hmm. and so even if you know what you're talking about like you're not you know like when I worked as a receptionist like I could have told you that the answer to some of your problems was like yeah take Tylenol whatever blah blah blah, blah. but I'm not a doctor mm-hmm. I live with a doctor and I know that that's the answer but like I can't say that I'm not a doctor right And so, you know, and I've seen, I saw a lot of people when, you know, that kind of things like get people in trouble. And so for me, like, maybe it's just because I grew up in that environment around doctors my whole life, but like, you're not a doctor. Don't try to do doctor things. Right. You're not a doctor. I understand that her heart was in the right place, but like, you're not a doctor. This this just, this didn't bug me. Maybe because of the circumstances. I don't know. I don't know. It really bugs me. But anyway, so then later on, Maggie's like, whoa, I just got an earful from Lanik, who is pretty much like this close to firing your ass. And April's like, I did it and I would do it again. And, you know, Maggie's just like, okay, listen, I get it. But like, just because we know what to do, it doesn't mean we have the authority to do it. Didn't Maggie give someone like a tracheotomy a couple seasons ago? She did some sort of really drastic procedure that everybody came down on her for. And then they were like, oh, no, like, show that you're, you still have your paramedic certification. And then she didn't. And then it went away. Yeah. But even if then, if she had the actual certification, then, I mean, you know. Mm-hmm. But April doesn't. And I guess this is all leading into the, will April go to med school so she can become the doctor and, you know, be able to actually save lives in the way that she wants to and not be told, no, she can't. I guess so, but you know. Um, Dr. Sexton would be the baddest, most amazing thing ever. Yeah, I think, and I mean, you know, that if her becoming a doctor is all it takes for her to save lives in the way that she actually wants to, then, I mean, I was already all for it, but I think that just, you know, that's what she needs. Yeah, being a nurse has almost held her back Mm -hmm. in more ways than one. Because there are some limits just because, like I said, just because you've learned a lot of things working in that environment, like you still don't have the schooling in the background to back that up. Right. And it can be a huge liability. So I'll be curious to see, A, you know, if she gets punished and I doubt it, but like what kind of punishment (laughs) she'll get, she were to get punished. But, you know, I think hopefully this can only, as much as it kind of annoyed me last night and it, I mean, it really annoyed me. I think this is only going to be good for her. And like lead her down the right path that she was meant to be on. So 
I'm hopeful. Just think about think about what it would look like if April becomes a doctor. She will thrive. Mm-hmm. Like she oh, will yeah. flourish. It'll be amazing. You know where April would be really great though? And I don't want, I mean, I don't think Yaya's leaving anytime soon, but you know where April would be really great? Peds? No, what did I just say? I don't want to see her leave vet anytime soon. But where, where? She'd be really great in one of those like Doctors Without Border programs or whatever. Oh my like, God. You know, where her, like they don't really, you know, they're just looking for any kind of medical care. So yeah. like even just her being a nurse to go over there and like do what she could do to help save lives. I mean, she'd be amazing. It, it's time in for some April to fly. Pro- in yeah. some kind of program like that, she would be amazing. Yeah, it's time for her to spread her wings and just like crush it. Mm -hmm. So I really hope they don't like bait and switch us. I hope that they follow through on this. And then somebody, I can't remember if it was in our Facebook group or if I just saw it on Twitter, was saying that I guess on on ER at one point, they had like a nurse who was going through med school and like didn't leave the show. Like they were just, I guess, showing that or I don't know what that looked like, but I'm hopeful that means that, you know, April could do it too. We're seeing it on 911 right now with Hen. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. so I didn't think about that. Um, yeah, Jennifer and I had this discussion last week. We were like, it can be done. Um, maybe that's what I was thinking of. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Um, Royal Pains also did it at the very, the show ended with their physician's assistant, Divya, going to med school. So it can be done. Mm-hmm. So please follow through. I, April, April deserves it. Like, mm-hmm. I can't think of another character who deserves it more than April yeah so uh, Megan said as I scroll past it Megan said nice to see April back in the COVID word again she should have never left although I have loved seeing her in scenes with people besides Ethan and being a badass when she's flying solo like she was last week my biggest hope is that they pulled through with this med school storyline for her yes 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 Same. and yes yes yeah we should like start a petition or something and be like follow through I Damn think it. they will but we'll see yeah so Last up is uh, Gina's favorite redhead, Will. I, well, I mean, what do you want from me? I, yeah. Okay. So Will's patient is, it's the 65-year-old guy. I think he fell or something, but he keeps looking into the corner of the room. And Will's just like, why? So Dr. Charles talks to him and, you know, he, they're, they're talking to the patient and the patient's just like, now that I'm fully vaccinated, I'll take any excuse to leave the house. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Almost there. Almost there. But yeah. Um, right after my first shot, I literally texted Brian and was like, so we're going to Chicago when? When? Fall 2021. <laughs> Heard it here first. Fall 2021. Happening. We're mm-hmm. making it happen. We're making it happen. So, Yeah. So it turns out this guy sees his dead wife in the corner and he knows it's not real. He knows that, you know, he, he's just imagining her, but he doesn't care. And like, it just like my heart like tore into pieces. I was like, oh, this guy, this poor guy, like he's just grasping onto whatever he can. Yeah. So as if that's not heartbreaking enough, Dr. Charles empathizes by playing the CC card. And now oh I'm just God. like, great. It's one Chicago All Wednesday and I'm just a drunk puddle of tears in the corner. Thank you. Yeah. As yeah. soon as he made that reference, I was like, oh, man. Yeah, played the CC card. Like that, that, No, that's totally fine. Totally fine. <sighs> so Dr. Charles just kind of like, he's like, oh, yeah, this is Charles Benet syndrome. Never heard of it before. But he says, he's like, yeah, the brain responds to vision loss by filling in the blanks, which is just like, our minds are just so powerful. Mm-hmm. 
but he also suspects a deeper issue. So um, does it ever crack you up how like we can refer to pretty much any character by their first or last name, but we always call Dr. Charles, Dr. Charles. Like I can't call him Daniel. It feels like disrespectful. If you ever had like friends like that though, like I had a friend in high school and her name was Sarah Scott and I literally only ever referred to her as Sarah Scott. Like it was just <laughs> one of those things. I like could never, like, I don't think I've ever called her Sarah. Like it was always Sarah Scott. I, I don't know why, but like that was just what it was. That's how it is. I just, yeah. I can't, I can't call Dr. Charles Dan or Daniel. It just doesn't feel right. Yeah, no. It doesn't feel right. No, Dr. Yeah. Charles. Dr. Charles, Dr. Charles, yeah. So Liam, the patient, he has a seizure, momentarily loses sight of his wife, and then he finds her again. It just, every time he was like, oh my God, where'd she go? I was like, oh, like, oh, it hurt. Turns out he's got a tumor in the part of his brain that controls vision. So the tumor isn't, it's causing the vision loss, but the brain is filling it in. So it's like, well, well you can't see, we're just going to fill in with these memories. And this is his wife. It's also going back to what you just said. It's kind of crazy that the brain works like that. Yeah. It's like, whoa. Like our bodies and our minds are so much more powerful than we think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's bananas. It's so crazy. Yeah. And like, I mean, for me, when I was like starting out with my issues with anxiety, like I was just like, well, why? I mean, like, I don't feel stressed. Why is my body reacting this way? It's because your mind is freaking powerful. Mm-hmm. Crazy. It's crazy. So having the surgery would mean that he'd lose the images of his wife. And so he doesn't want the operation. And the fact that like he's gripping onto this so hard and like he's, he's, he doesn't want the operation because he doesn't want to lose the memories. It's just like, it's just heart wrenching. Yeah. When Dr. Charles says like, he's not mentally ill, he's grieving. That line just like hit me. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, oh, I know. Sad. Yeah. So Dr. Charles finally talks to him and he's like, okay, but how would Terry feel about the surgery? Like, how do you think that she would feel? And he just breaks down. He's like, she loves me. She would want me to get the surgery. And Dr. Charles just says, honor that love. It's so poetic. I know. Oh my I God. Know. I know. I know. Ugh. And so he has the surgery and Dr. Charles is like, how do you feel? And he's like, I'm lonely. Mm. I know. <laughs> feel like alexis rose in Shit's creek i'm just like mm. um but you know dr charles is just saying he's like you know i don't know if they ever really leave us mm. Mm. i don't know i don't have anything intelligent to say other than like my heart i pretty much yeah yeah so megan said i loved the caroline charles references i miss seeing both her and robin so it's nice to know that she isn't forgotten i know if you're missing Robin, just flip over to ABC and watch The Rookie. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say, Micaiah Cox is killing it over on The Rookie. Killing it. Killing, killing it. Killing it. Yeah. Yes. So that's about all we've got for Med. Any other notes on Med? Uh, no, I did enjoy this episode, though. I yeah. I the Mansell stuff and the Ethan and Ronnie stuff, if I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But definitely the Mansell stuff. <laughs> definitely, definitely the mansell, mansell stuff. stuff yeah oh my god we need a shirt that's like team mansell we have the mansell's design from um from Haley. yeah i mean i i don't I necessarily like- want to I, I don't believe in ship wars so never mind the idea i just had was like team mansell and team manstead but we're not no, no i don't believe in ship wars no. we're not doing but that also i have a great idea if ethan and verani ever become a ship mm-hmm. like a legit ship i have a great idea 
for a shirt. A great idea. Nice. Love it. Love it. (laughs) Okay. Moving into fire. I enjoyed this episode too. I love this episode. I love this episode. I mean, this was just delightful all around. Okay. So like we got to see Ritter and Eric. They were, Eric returned. Awesome. Mm-hmm. We got Bretzy. We got Instructor Severide. Severide's back at the Academy. We got some old school vibes here. I know. And we got Violet and Gallo being just adorable with oh their bread. Oh my red. god. I cannot handle their flirting. It's so cute. <laughs> it's literally like one of the best things that's ever happened on this show. Oh my god. I think bread is now like their Scrabble. Yeah, it's so cute. Just their nerdiness about like beating each other uh, we'll get there but it's amazing oh yeah yeah um i think it's safe to say that we are vilo trash is that what we're going with hanukkah blessed it didn't she yeah i mean she didn't say you know i'm really cool with whatever you guys come up with but is that what we're coming up with vilo i mean it makes the most sense right I it mean, makes the most sense i'm i'm down with it if that's what we're going with vilo like gallet doesn't work gallum and no. violet and then Mc- mccallo mccallow galami <laughs> no sounds too much like salami now. it does but Vi- i think vilo is it i think vilo yeah they're so cute vilo yeah yeah now we were indeed mallow trash yes we were it's just i mean it's very gilmore girls with blake okay like where you lead we will follow but also, as much as we did really like Mackie and Gallo, it unfortunately just didn't get the time to, you to know, develop, to flourish. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, like now, we've had last season, we had Violet and Gallo, and now we have this season, and hopefully next season, forever if and Hanukkah ever and ever. Back, I'm you know putting that out in the universe. I don't know anything, but I'm putting that out in the universe. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Let's start with Severide. Okay, so, or should I say Severide? No, Instructor Severide. I know, but the PD kids like to whisper his name all sexy. Yeah, I know. Severide. 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 Instructor. So. It doesn't work that well for Instructor Severide. I tried. <laughs> He's back at the Academy. Love to see it. I don't know what we did to deserve this, but like hashtag blessed. It's been so long. It really has. So long. I love it so much so much um yeah so he's he's coaching the newbies they're doing their thing it's all fun and games until one of the recruits named mercer drops his dummy over the railing literally before we like when i saw that scene i was like how dumb do you have to be uh yeah it was a definite like oh honey right yeah yeah did you see the video that lulo posted on his instagram yeah he he posted he posted one of the takes that they did and kind of gave like play by play as it was happening and it just made it even funnier it's so funny it was it was good it was good and the moment like sev just looks at the dummy and just looks up oh man it's so good it's so funny it's so funny this episode was chock full of severite eyes. Everywhere you turned, that light was hitting him perfectly. And it was like, oh, blue eyes. You really need to get back on that gift set. I'm behind. I know. I am really behind. I, I do have to pick it up because they were beautiful mm-hmm. in this episode. Yeah. So Casey and Severide and Stella, they're talking about Severide's class like at 51. And again, Severide eyes just bing. They're amazing. So Casey is just like, you need to drop this Mercer kid, which... I don't feel like this is a fair discussion here when they're just like, they're both just like, 
he's just not a fighter fighter you need to drop him i don't think casey and kelly are fair people to gauge this ability because they were both born with it in their dna okay they were like blessed with the superhero powers you know like they're not they can't gauge it because they were just given the power to be superheroes to be firefighters this kid like you can develop the talent over time you can develop the skill so the whole time that they're just like this kid shouldn't be a firefighter i'm like wait wait i don't think you're seeing this clearly well i think what kelly even says later on i don't think i don't think i think everyone somewhere is born with it right Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of like then develop taking what you were born with and developing it and so that you become an actual firefighter like but otherwise like i don't think what Kelly ends up finding out at the end of this episode is that like, sometimes you're just not bored with it though. And you can't yeah. teach that. No, that second fuck up was definitely like, oh no, we're, we're no, yeah. never mind. But anyway. We'll- <laughs> um, yeah. And, and Casey's like, this is no job for wannabes. But then Stella makes the, Stella makes the argument for, you know, nature versus nurture that, you know, yeah, you could have the instinct or you could also have, you could also develop the talent and improve and do the work. And right as she's making that argument, Kylie walks in. Love it. Love it. But before Kylie walks in, we got a Darden reference. We got a Darden reference. Did we know that Casey and Darden went to the Academy together? Yes. We did? Yes. Okay. Were those two like, why do I feel like those two were childhood buddies? Darden and Casey weren't childhood friends, were they? I think they were. I have to go back. I haven't watched that in a long time. Early season one and like whatever. Um, Or any of the like Heather Darden stuff, but... I think they were. I think we definitely knew they went to the Academy, though. Okay. Yeah. Um, But, like, when was the last time we had a Darden reference? Season two? Yeah, I don't know. Probably. It's been a long time. That was just, like, such a nice callback. Because we've had, obviously, Otis references this season. We had Shay references. We had Rafferty references. And now we get a Darden reference. It's just like, damn. Yeah. I'm loving all these like little callbacks. Yeah, it's nice. It's really nice. Really yeah. Nice. So Kylie comes in to just be like, hey, Severide, like Bowden wants to talk to you. And Bowden introduces him to Chief Mercer, who is Jacob Mercer's dad, because of course, of course, this kid is like a legacy in, in the CFD. Of course. Of course he is. Of course. Yeah. And so Chief Mercer is like, I just want to meet the man who's like shaping my son's future. Which I mean, I Way would to put like pressure to, on him, bro. I know, I know. I would like to think by this point that like Severide's a bit of a celebrity in the CFD, so he's just like, whoa, Kelly Severide's training him a kid. Whoa. Well, especially he's Benny Severide's kid, so I'm sure he is. Yeah. 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 So Severide and Casey and Stella they set up a drill for Sev's class at the firehouse. They they basically took this wrench and heated it up in the oven, <laughs> and they have to take the thermal cams and find the wrench that they heated up. And so, you know, we see that Mercer's got a lot of heart because like he's got, I think he's got the instinct. He's just, he, it's just, it's like a, he's got the instinct, but like, it's a little off. A little off. You mean a lot off. Oh yeah. Okay. So they set up the drill and Mercer just runs with it. Okay. So Mercer doesn't stop to put the gloves on first. He just goes. Mm-hmm. I have to admit, though, that sounds like something I would do. Just forego the gloves and go straight to the... Yeah, it, it, that that sounds a lot like something I would do. I, you know, I don't think it makes me an idiot. It just makes me a little bit of an airhead, maybe. But 
I don't know. So Mercer wins, like he finds the wrench, but he isn't wearing gloves. So he picks it up and he burns himself. Like not the brightest tool in the shed. I did kind of love though, Casey making an example out of him. Casey's like, and that (laughs) is why you always wear your gloves. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this mistake in particular, I was like, all right, he's not the brightest, but I don't think that rules him out yet. 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 So Severi goes to talk to Bowden and tell him his concerns, and Bowden knocks some sense into him. You get a look at Chief Mercer's boy? <laughs> Still got some puppy dog in him, doesn't he? Yeah, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> Seems like he's got a lot of heart, though. Yeah, he does. But he's not a firefighter. No. He's a recruit. It's your job to turn him into a firefighter. That's why it's called training. I can teach him how to kick in a door or to use a thermal camera. I can't teach him firefighter instincts. I can't teach him common sense. I know you and Chief Mercer go way back, so I... Is that right? You were the instructor. You're the only one qualified to assess Jacob Mercer's performance. I'll back you up whatever you decide. I think Bowden makes the I think Bowden makes a good point here. He makes the he makes exactly the argument of like, hey, you were born with it, okay? You were lucky, you were born with this gift. Not everybody has that gift. Some people actually have to develop the skill. Right. But like I said earlier, there's a difference between developing the skill and just not having talent at all to develop. Right. Right. I am glad that Seb Seb did decide to give him that chance to be like, okay, let's see if there is something there to develop. It just, you know, it's unfortunate that Mercer really fucks up. Mm -hmm. Really fucks up. So he gives him another chance, but he fails because somehow, somehow this Mercer kid fills the mass with carbon monoxide and not oxygen. How do you do that? Such a fucking idiot. I can't even. How do you do that? I can't even with this mother. I I, I can't. I can't. I just. How? I can't. Because even Severide says later on, he's like, the sign was right there in front of him. How? <laughs> I don't know. When even then, or Bowden's like, well, why didn't he, you know, the, the, I guess the signals didn't go off. And Kelly's like, no, they did motherfucker was just an idiot and decided to like bypass them i i yeah i just i i'm i'm speechless i'm just like what yeah and so um sev goes in and pulls them out with his bare hands because just severide things because i I, yeah he's such a badass he's such a badass he's such a badass okay i mean we need to develop this whole like severides and avenger premise because he really is he really is okay what is his superpower uh oh he's indestructible right yes 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 okay yeah he's totally indestructible how i mean does he get along with the other avengers I mean, by the other Avengers, are we talking about the core Avengers or like a made-up Avengers in our head? We're talking pre-Endgame. Pre-Endgame, so like OG Avengers. Plus, you know, Strange, T'Challa, all the other ones, Ant-Man. If this is season one, two, three, Severide, he flirts with Nat. A hundred (laughs) percent. I think he vibes with Tony. 
over their daddy issues. They totally bond over the daddy issues. I feel like he gets more along more with Steve than he does Tony. Ooh, you think he gets along with Steve? Yes. I could see him butting heads with Steve. See, I think he but I don't know. Why do you think he'd get along with Tony? Not Tony, Steve. I just feel like they both have that instinct. It's kind of like what I I feel like Casey and Steve would kind of be a lot of the similar part, the same person. Yeah. And he and Casey get along. So I feel like he and Steve would get along. Okay. Because Casey to me is almost like somewhat interchangeable with Steve. They feel like a lot of the same person to me, which is, I guess, why I gravitate towards both of them because I love Steve and I do like, I love Casey. So. Yeah, I think he, I think he's indestructible, and I think he keeps the bomber jacket. That's like his Avenger outfit. It's just like, yeah, just that. Yeah. Does he fly or anything? No, he doesn't fly. Seb doesn't fly. No. Again, he is like Captain America. Hmm. He's just yeah. He just uses his body. He doesn't need like a shield or wings or anything. He just uses his body. And if this is season one through three slash four, seven, right, then he uses it in multiple ways. But <laughs> yeah. What happened to season five? Well, season five was with Anna, so it's different, seven, right? But anyway. Coming to Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, every week when you're just like, you're like, okay, fine. Like, I'm just going to give it a rest. You know, we, we know Severide's a badass. Every single week, he does something new where you're just like, fuck. Like, he you is know, a superhero. I know. And now we've got Instructor Severide back. It's just, it's all so good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, maybe maybe him being an instructor is like his alter ego. You know how like Bruce is a doctor and then he like turns into the Hulk? Severide's just like your run-of-the-mill instructor at the Academy. And then he just turns into like the super indestructible dude. Oh, yeah, yeah. You love me. You missed me last week. I did. I did. I really did. I don't think she did. I think she's just saying that. But that's no, okay. I really did. I really <laughs> did. I was really sad I had to miss last week. It's all good. It's all good. So, yeah, Seb goes in, pulls out the two who were passing out from carbon monoxide poisoning in the middle of the smoke box where it's like unbearably hot. He's just like, Psh, whatever. I can do this without any gear on Severide. So, Mercer, like Mercer Sr., he comes by 51 and he reams Severide out. He's like, he just bitches him out. This scene is so weird too because like, Mercer charges in, gets right up in Kelly's face. Kelly doesn't say anything. And the look on his face the whole time is like, what the fuck? Yeah, that was my reaction was like, what the actual fuck? Yeah, like, what the fuck? And so Bowden tries to help. Bowden's like, he's going to back down. We're buddies. I don't care if we have a past. Like, he fucked with you. It's not cool. Severide's like, it's my mess. I will clean it up. All right. Okay. No way to talk to your dad, but all right. So Sev goes to Mercer's house, and this is like the most mature conversation I've ever seen Kelly have. Wish my dad had my back the way you have Jacobs. You want the best for him. I can respect that. He deserves it. He's a good kid. But he's not a firefighter. And if you come at this like a chief instead of a father, you'll see that. You wouldn't send your men into a burning building with someone you knew who wasn't up to snuff. And you were right to blame me for what happened at the academy. But the mistake I made was giving Jacob too many chances. I should have cut him sooner. 
sorry it didn't work out, but he'll be okay. No land on his feet wherever he ends up because he has a father who supports him. He's yeah. such an adult. I know. He's come so far. I know. Because if this was like early, you know, like season one, two, three, Severide, Severide goes to Mercer's house and like punches him in the face. Oh, hands down. That's exactly how it goes. So, but the fact that he's like, oh, you know, I can reflect on my own relationship with my dad and see what's happening in your relationship with your son. And let me tell you about it with my words, not my fists. It's kind of amazing. It was a very mature three hours of One Chicago. It really was, though. Maturity, healthy communication, healthy rela- like healthy relationships. I'm what? Like, what is happening? Vulnerability, like I know. Wow, crazy. Very cathartic night. Yeah. Interesting. So then later on that night, Severide and Stella talk, and Mercer backed off because Mercer was all like, oh, "I'm gonna fire you," and then he eventually backs off, and Instructor Severide lives another day. I do love though when it got the tables returned and Stella was like, you know, you got this, Kelly Severide. I this is so cute. Full circle. Yeah. So good. So good. Megan says, Kelly Severide has officially become the Nathan Scott of One Chicago. There's your One Tree Hill reference for the night. Originally, I wanted him to punch that chief, but I was so happy with how he handled the situation in the end. And then in all caps, I am so proud of him for how far he has come. Amen, sister. Same. Uh, What do we think about the Nathan Scott analogy? Mm, I don't know if I'd say, I understand what her point is in terms of the growth. Yeah. And I can see that. I don't think Kelly Severide is like Nathan Scott in a lot of other ways, but I agree, I guess, on the growth aspect. Love it. He's such a grown up. I know. He's also going to make the most amazing dad in the future. I know. And just like the healthiness of that relation or that conversation with Stella at the end too. I was like, man, we've come so far. So far. I'm just so ready for those two to get fucking married. I know. Oh my God. Anyway. So Emily S said, can we also say what a treat it was to have fire Academy teacher, Lieutenant Severide back in action. I was tickled when I saw him teaching of Academy, something that he truly has a talent for. That was nice to see him grapple with the decision of booting Mercer. I thought back to when he hastily made the decision about Jones when he was last at the Academy, was proud of the growth Severide has made. Instead of reacting like he previously did, he took the time to ask the opinions of his respected colleagues and gave the kid more chances than necessary. One trait that isn't spoken enough about Severide is his inherent nature to see the good in everyone and give them the benefit of the doubt, which was really shown in this episode. His character growth and development showed in leaps and bounds, especially after the conversation he had with chief mercer about his dad and how he wishes his dad was as proud of him as the chief is his son his conversation with stella and molly sealed the whole storyline we need more of those little you've got this interactions i love it so much i agree 100 percent too so good kelly really I, i think kelly believes that there is good inside of everybody like and and he just doesn't give up right and i love that she made the callback comparison to jones and that decision decision specifically yeah um yeah, because you can definitely even just in those two moments, like see the growth of, you know, Severide as not even just a person, but a leader. And I, I love that she made that comment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Next up is Brett and Casey. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Take it away, Brenna. Take it away. Oh, man. I'm so glad I get talked about this one. Okay. So 
we open and Brett and Granger are in the car and Granger's driving Brett to work. She's talking about her issues with Veronica and she's like, has, you know, she has a scratch on her hand and you know, Granger makes a comment about like, no, like that is abuse, you know, in like a joking manner, of course. Um, and he like kisses her on the hand and, you know, it's cute. It's cute. Granger got game. It's cute. I mm-hmm. uh, I think I'm not as uh, clearly not as big of a fan. I mean, I think he is super hot, like very much my type, and I think I'd like him a little bit more if it wasn't getting in the way of my ship. Mm-hmm. But I'm definitely not like. I mean, I don't hate Granger, but I'm like, yeah. I like looking at him. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Yep. Um. But anyway, so. As this whole thing is going down, Brett gets out of the car and Violet and Stella are watching as, you know, they're get, she's getting ready to come up the apron. And I love that Violet's already included in this little like girl group. Yes. Yes. You guys, if your friends do not hype you up like this, go get new friends. Like Violet just like, she's brand new to the firehouse. I mean, sort of, but she's already like, you spent the night like go girl. Yes. If your friends don't tell you you've got this and your friends don't hype you up, go find new ones mm-hmm preach mm-hmm. it yes yeah but so they're you know having this conversation and brett's like oh no we didn't spend the night blah blah she talks about how she wants you know to be around her stuff whatever and she ends up ultimately admitting though that she's like just not quite there yet with Granger. Mm-hmm. so then casey pulls gallo aside in the kitchen and tells him that the headaches have stopped why are you lying well, he, the headaches have stopped. He's just not better, though. He's such a liar. But anyway, also, just, I mean, again, we've mentioned this before, but every time Blake calls him captain, it's just like, you really should be calling him dad. It's fine. I want him to slip up so badly. I just want one moment where he calls him dad and everybody's like. It would you- honestly, and the thing, though, is they could get away with it because that would be so in character for Gallo. It's not even funny. It really would. I know not even funny and then gallo's like what and ritter's like did you hear what you just said (laughs) be so good um and brett overhears this whole thing and casey ends up reassuring her too that he's talked to will and he's completely fine so brett mentions to will when she sees him at med later on which we'll get to later um about how will's like the official you know 51 doctor and will's like yeah oh yeah like i told casey's friend that he needed to see a doctor right away so jen jennifer asked me this question last week and she was like do you think casey knew or do you think will knew that casey wasn't talking about a friend and casey was talking about himself yes you think yes they don't know each other that well but like anytime you say my friend nine times out of ten you're not actually meaning your friend true story so I think it was kind of obvious. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so after Brett learns about this, she stops by Casey's quarters and tries to talk to him about what Will told her. Um, but Casey just keeps blowing it off, saying, you know, I don't want to make a big deal of it. Um, but like, I promise you I'm fine. And she ends up kind of just like reluctantly walking away. Uh-huh. So later at Molly's, Granger asks Brett if she wants to go skiing with him. And she's like, yeah, sure. Of course it's a fun and but then he's like okay great like we're gonna go on friday i have we have to work shift the night before though so we probably should just go up there and spend the night if we want to get like a full day of skiing in and she ultimately agrees to even to that too 
But then we hear Brett over here over here Brett overhearing Stella telling Casey that she knows Severide blames himself for not acting on Mercer. And so Brett, once Stella leaves, Brett tells Casey that she'd feel the same way if anything happened to him. And she says, you know, like, you can't just sit around waiting and hoping that nothing goes wrong. Like, you need to do something. But where does Casey, what does Casey say? He just ultimately agrees to think about it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, Casey. Not a great answer, but all no. right. But, but, but. Then we go to Molly's again at the very end of the episode. And Casey pulls Brett aside. Thank you for uh, pushing me the other day. You're right. I was too quick to move on when the headache stops. I can't help thinking. When I got that head injury a few years ago, the doctor said, if I get another bad hit, it could mean the end of my career. Or worse. Okay, hold on. There's, There's no need for you to go there yet. All you need to do right now is make an appointment and get checked out. The sooner the better. Yeah. I'll go with you. No, no, you, you don't have to do that. I know things have been weird between us lately, but you were always there for me when I needed it most. Please let me do that for you. And yeah, ultimately, Casey agrees to let her go with him. And he's like, oh, I'll make it for Friday. And she's like, I have plans, but I'll reschedule those. Like, I want to go with you. Um, And just, I mean, I can't, Gina. Literally, the look they gave each other in that last shot, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I've literally, the amount of times I've watched, A, not only that whole scene, but B, just stared at that gif in the last, like, 24 hours is unhealthy. Dare I say that them making out was almost, like, premature? It's almost like they needed to solidify their foundation even more? I mean, I think what it's proven and what this scene is proven is that, like, the solid, they have a solid foundation. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, people, you know, I think some people were like, oh, well, they weren't even really friends before Gabby left and blah, 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 blah. And like, that may have been true that like they were friendly, but not obviously like friend, like close friends. And that like Gabby leaving kind of pushed them together to be better friends. But like, I think it's clear now because obviously you even have the moment last year where Brett wanted to go to um, visit her birth mom, Julie. And Casey just volunteered to go with her. And Brett's like, no, 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 like, you don't have to do that. And Casey's like, no, like, I want to go. Like, I, you know, I'm offering to go for you. Yeah. And like, now we're kind of getting the other end of this. You know, now it's Brett saying like, you know, like, you've always been there for me when I needed it. Like, I want to do this for you. Like, I want to be there for you. So we got yeah. to have that parallel going, which is really nice. They're yeah, starting think- to like, they're starting to balance each other in a really nice way. I love this. I love everything about this. I uh, I love that. I love that she wants to go with him just so that he feels comfortable. I mean, there's probably a lot of anxiety for him behind this. And uh, so. Yeah. I also think it says a lot too, that he even trusted her enough a to tell her that like something was going on but also b that he trusted her enough to tell her his fears 
that he's afraid, you know, of what could happen. Like part of the reason he doesn't want to go to the doctor is because he's afraid that the doctor's going to tell him he can't be a firefighter again. Yeah. And that his career is over. And the fact that he hasn't even told Severide that, that we know of, um, you know, he admitted it to Brett, but he didn't admit it to everyone else. He admitted it to her though. And he trusted her with that. And I think that says a lot too. I think he's starting to realize that he can be a different level of vulnerable with her. Yeah, I think he saw her do that last year because obviously she was definitely a different level of vulnerable with him last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think we're starting to kind of see it on the other side. Um, but yeah, I I loved everything about this. I enjoyed it. I loved it. Also, Carol looked amazing in this last scene. Just everything, her style or the style that they have for Brett, I like want everything that Brett wears. And like just the way they style her, I just, I love, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, it was a it was a night of very, very good hair. Can we talk about Stella's braids or do we have that elsewhere in, in the outline? Like, um, I think we had it elsewhere in the outline, but we can go ahead and talk about it. Why not? The Stella's braids were incredible. They were gorgeous. I know. I'm like partially wearing braids right now because I like to see her braids and I'm like, damn. Oh my God. Yeah. She looked amazing last night. And then Stella too. in that last scene with Seb, like long, flowy, gorgeous hair. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Everybody looked amazing last night. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, I'm very just, I'm here for all the Casey and Brett and the fact that she chose Casey over Granger. I just, yeah, I'm here right now. I'm here for it. (laughs) I mean, I've been here for it. I've been here for it. Trust me. But yeah. Anyway, so Allie said, okay, I've been frustrated with Bretzy ever since the end of episode two, but that ending scene really reminded me why I love them so much. Besides Severide, Brett is the only person who can break past Casey's stubbornness, and they're always there supporting each other. It also says a lot that Brett is prioritizing the appointment with Casey over her plans with Granger. If they don't get their shit together by the end of the season, I'm gonna riot. (laughs) Same. Yeah, Bryna will riot with you. Same. I'll supply the pitchforks. Same. Just kidding, NBC. That was a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Same. So Emily S. said, I am a Bretzy shipper all the way, and it pains me to say that I actually like the chemistry Granger has with Sylvie. Until Matt can get his shit together, I'm glad she has someone who is able to share his feelings with her and make her happy. Although Greg and Sylvie's relationship seems solid, it was interesting to hear and see her admit that she still isn't over Matt, no matter what she tells herself. Case in point, when she blows off the overnight ski weekend to go to the doctor. Yeah, this is, this is, it's a Sophie's choice, right? Because like, you have Bretzy, but also Granger is just so good. Well, you know what's funny? There's been this comparison kind of floating around the internet, and I like hadn't really thought about it until I saw it, and I was like, oh no, that's kind of good. It's kind of similar to Hazmat Zach. Like I like Granger, and yes, because we liked Hazmat Zach. I really liked Hazmat Zach, but like you kind of knew that Hazmat Zach wasn't the one for Stella, and that you know it was obviously just kind of like buying time until Severide and Stella Mm -hmm. but like it wasn't like oh no this is like a painful relationship like I liked Hazmat Zach and he was a good solid dude and Granger is a good solid dude and I have nothing I I don't mind Granger he's just Mm -hmm. in the way of my ship this really this really is like the Hazmat Zach situation right but then if you have to choose between Hazmat Zach and Granger who do you choose (laughs) <laughs> Granger only because I think he's cuter. I think I go with Hazmat Zach just because he's sweeter. 
I'd go Granger. But they're both solid options. Yes. You, if you had either one of them, you could not. You would be very, very, well, yeah. You're doing very well for yourself. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Uh, Emily also said, I'm also glad for the start of a resolution to Casey's head injury. I found it refreshing that Brett didn't brush off his concern and voiced how she really felt about him taking the head injury seriously. Although Gallo brought it up in the last episode, Matt needed Sylvie to make the plea for him and to take care of himself. I've been frustrated with Casey lately as he can't seem to pull his thoughts together, but was so proud of him in his conversation with Brett at Molly's. It was honest and raw and just the interaction that the two of them needed to get back on the right track. They would literally do anything for one another, and it was a breath of fresh air for Matt to be vulnerable and admit that he was scared, but in the same breath, feel a sense of relief and home knowing that Sylvie was going to be by his side through it all. The moment was endearing, and if I dare say, gave viewers hope for a future Brett's endgame. Ooh. I, yeah, I agree with all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Casey said, I'm very glad that Matt finally fessed up to having problems with his head injury. I did not want to go another week having to ask why he was being so stubborn. Although the I'm fine at the beginning of the episode infuriated me. The look of shock on Matt's face when Sylvie said that she would go with him to his doctor's appointment made me so sad. The interactions between these two give me hope for Bressy in the future. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Samantha said, the Brettsy scenes this week were everything. I love that Brett is wanting to be there for Casey as he deals with his head injury, just like he was there for her with the whole birth mom stuff. The looks between those two, my God. Scenes like those are why I fell in love with Brettsy to begin with, and I'm not giving up on them yet. And okay. Casey also, or Samantha also said, Will Halstead sightings two weeks in a row. <laughs> said, the more Will Halstead on one Chicago Wednesdays, the better. If Will appearances is what it's going to take for Casey to finally deal with his head injury, then I'll take it. Gladly. I will take all of my favorite redhead that the writers and NBC's, NBC will give me. For the record, for the record, I did not hack Samantha's account. I did not email the podcast account under a pseudoname. That is all Samantha. Yeah. Um, but no, I just, I agree. I think kind of like what we were saying, like what I was saying earlier when we talked about the episode description, this episode and that scene specifically makes me feel more confident in where things are going. I mean, I'm still, I guess, always going to be on edge, but like, I just, I feel more confident after this week. It's like Brett, it's like Brett calmed Casey's nerves and calmed ours at the same time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Anyway. So any other notes on Bretzy? God, I love these two. <laughs> like, I really, really love these two. It's good. And I really, really, yeah, I, yeah, I do. So on to Vilo, Vilo, Violet, Violet, Violet. I love that for the most part, the storyline of Violet is not centered around Gallo. I mean, yeah, yes. they have some flirting, but like, it's a Violet storyline and I love it. It is. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, so Violet and Gallo flirt over baking bread. They are so competitive oh with each other that, like, they they know, like, the chemistry of it all. It just, I can't. These, it's just so sickeningly sweet and adorable. They're so fucking cute. I can't. They're, they're just, they're so cute. They're so cute. So 81 and 61, they get called to a deli where this guy has fallen down the storage unit and gotten his arm trapped. This was a total other, like, I had another moment of just like, how? I really don't understand this call. So like, was that a ladder? Did he, I, I don't understand. So yeah, and, and how did his arm get stuck? I don't know. Like, don't if, know. You're, if you're, he's climbing up 
But then, like, he was kind of backwards. No, I think he fell down, like, fell backwards. So he was climbing up the ladder, and then he fell backwards. No, I think he was on the sidewalk and then fell backwards into Oh, like, into. Yeah. Ow. I think, but I don't really know. I don't understand this. That part of the call makes no sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And that's when I put in the outline, like, we have to talk about Stella's braids. They were amazing. Mm-hmm. So good. Um, but also, yeah, it's a lot of fun to see Violet on her first call with everybody. It's just so fun. I, I love seeing how she's been interacting and, like, seeing her work. Because, obviously, we saw her a little bit last season, you know, on – some calls when they were going you know 20 and 51 were you know together Mm -hmm. but it's just different when she's with like her new family and it's just I love I loved it she fits right in right in right in it's so good yeah it's awesome it's awesome um so they get the guy out the wife goes with him in the ambo that's great there's a letter for Violet on the squad table when they get back and all it says is that fall wasn't an accident Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. so they go to med brett and violet or i was gonna say brett and violet brett and violet um they go to med and they talk to ronnie and so before they leave violet asks, or she doesn't really ask gallo she just kind of tells him like bake my bread for me yeah like she she brings in this bread dough and before she leaves she's like so you're gonna put it in at 500 you're gonna leave it for 20 minutes and then you're gonna bring it down to 450 and then she's just like thanks bye and she leaves and so this is just the cutest because gallo sits down and he looks at ritter and he goes she thinks she's the boss of me and then like two seconds later he goes okay and gets up and goes to do what she said i love them so much i, I feel like we're just gonna be like every week that's just gonna be us they are so in love with each other it's so good oh my god it yeah it's so he loves her so much and like obviously we see it yeah oh they're so cute but he does ultimately burn it he forgets to bring the temperature down <laughs> um so violet and brett they get to med and they learn that the deli owner has already checked out like whatever they go back to the deli and the owner tells him that you know he just he doesn't remember how he fell he's there he's got his arm in a sling he doesn't remember how he felt like he's just like it just happened i have no idea so the other guy who was there at the call he he owns a cafe like right next door and there's like a cupcake or a muffin or something on the the on the counter whatever so Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, yeah, that guy's such a phony. Like, he just wants to buy the deli from us. So, obviously, this dude is, like, suspect number one. So, they ask Ruzik for his opinion. Hi, Adam. Hi. Can I just say, it's so funny because when I talked to Hanako, I guess now almost, like, two-ish weeks ago, Mm -hmm. um, I hadn't obviously even known that there was a promo like I hadn't seen the promo even for this episode so I had no idea she was gonna interact with interact Jesus I can't speak tonight um with Patty and Ruzik and when I had asked her like have you met any of the PD kids and she was talking about how she knows Patty from Princess Diaries and now (laughs) that I know that she like got to meet him specifically it's just so cute I love it I love it um I just love this idea of Ruzik having drinks with Brett and Violet I do too. Do we think that at some point he vented to Brett and Violet about his issues with Bur- with uh, Burgess? Not Brett, because Brett got up from the table to go be with her mm-hmm. boo or whatever. But Violet, yes. Oh my god, I love it. 
and he doesn't even know her that's like honestly the best part is like i could totally see it though so like let me tell you everything about my life and my love life that's going on right now and violet probably like set him straight and was like you need to cut the bullshit and tell her how much you love her Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i love it Mm -hmm. i love when these characters pop up and one-offs at molly's like will being in fire last week i was like hold on was will at molly's by himself having drinks Ruzik was too apparently who go but who goes to a bar by themselves i don't know but anyway i also just love now that we're seeing these pop-ups again Mm -hmm. because we obviously didn't get any hardly in the beginning of the season and now they're like finally starting to pop up i love it maybe jay will finally get to see his brother for the first time in like forever i know i know it's been too long it's been way too long since the halstead brothers have shared a scene yeah yeah uh, but Ruzik's like, yeah, there's there's not much to it. Like, he's like, I hear what you're saying. There's really not much to it. Now let me tell you about my girl problems. Um, but he does refer to the cafe owner as the Muffin Man. And that just makes everything completely worth it. Oh, my God. Every time he said the Muffin Man, I just think of Shrek. Same. Same. She's married to the Muffin Man. The Muffin Man? The Muffin Man! Oh my god, yeah. Totally worth it to hear, just to hear Ruzik say Muffin Man. Worth everything. I know, I've seen that like on a like loop. (laughs) So Gallo feels so bad about ruining Violet's bread that he made bread dough for her all over again. He is so whipped. He's so whipped. Oh my god. It's adorable. I, it, it is. And he, he's just so whipped though. I think she's the same way for him, though. I think she's just more of a hard ass. Like, if he were to ask, like, hey, can you do this for me? She'd probably give him a really hard time, but then she'd do it. Yeah, like, she's the one in this relationship that, like, tries to play it cool. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, deep down, she's definitely very much into it, too. And Gallo is just, like, no backbone. He's just jelly. He's like, I'll do whatever you want. Yeah. Adorable. Yeah. Uh, Adorable. So... And, and since they're so competitive, he's like, you'll find that mine is a little bit more sophisticated than yours. He like describes the chemistry. And then he's like, I also added this, this, and this to it. <laughs> too again. cute. So cute. So 61 gets another call to the deli. The owner is down again. Violet has a hunch this time. Like she looks at the, the cupcake muffin. It's a muffin. It's, it's a, a muffin. muffin. Uh, cupcake is a muffin with icing. Yeah. So 61 gets another call to the deli he's down violet just gets a hunch and she's like we should push narcan and brett's like um oh, all right fine they do it anything anyway he wakes up and he, like all is good so violet's like he was poisoned by the muffin the muffin man, the muffin muffin man. <laughs> so adam meets them at med and then he basically starts questioning the cafe owner and this is when the cafe owner just spills everything the wife had been talking to the cafe owner behind his back, and she's the one who was poisoning her husband. It's like an yeah, episode no. of Dateline up in here. But actually, though. Oh, man. Okay, so later on at Molly's, Violet thanks, or Violet, Violet thanks Gallo for the bread. And they flirt over science terms. These adorable little nerds. Well, and my favorite part about this whole thing is like, okay, so they're like flirting or whatever. She walks away. And then to this random guy that's trying to get a beer next to him, that was like, yeah, I've been hitting the books. (laughs) It's so good. It's just so cute because Gallo just trips over himself and he tries too hard, but I also wouldn't have it any other way. Me either me either it's 
adorable. What did we do on fire without Gallo? I don't know. Like, it's only been really like a season and a half, and I just, I can't even imagine a time without him now. Did we ever smile before Gallo got to fire? I don't know. <laughs> I guess not, but I can't stop smiling now. So. Me neither. He's pure sunshine. Pure sunshine. The cutest. Just the cutest. <sighs> okay, so Allie said, how did that oven not set off any smoke alarms? They're in a firehouse, for God's sake. And of course, Gallo burned Violet's baking because Gallo. What's even more Gallo is that he tried to bake her something to make up for it. Also, I love their style of flirting where they try to outdo the other in their knowledge of anything and everything. It's so entertaining. This point about the fire alarms, though, this came up a couple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's true, though. How did it not set off any smoke alarms? That's true. I was also kind of wondering about that, about the pipe wrench. I'm like, okay, I guess, you know, metal conducts heat and everything, but I would, I wouldn't be comfortable putting a pipe wrench in the oven. Me either, but they're firefighters. So I guess they are. So I guess that's just a normal firefighter thing. Guess so. Mm-hmm. Um, Samantha said Violet and Gallo. I just love them so much. I'm not sure if we decided on a ship name for them, but I ship them so hard. Seeing them together again just reminded me how much I love them. Give me all the Gallo and Violet content, please. But please never change. Right. Continue to be adorable. Yes. It's so wonderful. They're going to be, if they win, not even if, when they end up together, they're going to be that couple that's like in their 80s and still competing like this over like stupid, silly shit. I hope so. They're going to be like, oh, the new, like, the crossword puzzle you know (laughs) like that's just gonna be them i hope so yeah oh my god it's just we're both smiling like idiots right now you just can't see it just i love them love them they just they really hit the net like when they brought gallo in and they could start developing the gallo ritter friendship and then now we obviously have violet and gallo it's just they like really hit it out of the park with this stuff yeah absolutely absolutely so Last up, we have the other half of the bromance. We've got Ritter. Ritter. And he got his own stuff this week. I like it. I know. Me too. Yeah. So, Brian, take it away. So, Plouch is having a virtual dinner party because, of course, they are. I would attend that. Oh, 100%. 100%. Imagine what Trudy must be like after a couple too many glasses of wine. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, we just obviously finished celebrating Passover in, you know, if you're Jewish mm-hmm. and at your Seder, you're supposed to have four glasses of wine. I would love to see uh, Trudy at a Passover Seder drinking the four cups of wine. Oh my God. It'd be amazing. It would be amazing. The stories uh, that Trudy must have, I would so attend a dinner party with Trudy and, and Mouch. Oh my God. Yes. Just, yes. 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 I don't care if it's over Zoom. I'll do it. Um, so, of course, Match is inviting, you know, Herman and Cindy and, you know, they try to invite Ritter and Eric and Ritter's like, actually, you know, Eric and I broke up during quarantine, you know, just trying to be in an apart- small apartment together just really took its toll, which is so sad. But Herman, 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 Herman wants to set Ritter up on a blind date. The, the purest intentions. Yes, but. It's with this guy that they know from Cindy's book club. And first of all, I just, I need to know what kind of books do you think is, are being read in Cindy's book club? Like romance novels, nonfiction, like a little bit of everything. Like, what do you think they read in this book club? 
They are totally reading the Bridgerton series right now and loving 100%, it. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yep. Yep. I uh, think they read romance, probably like smutty romance. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so Ritter's like, let me guess, he's the only gay friend you have. And Herman's like, no, 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 no. And <laughs> Ritter even goes on to say, he's like, you think all gay people in Chicago know each other? And then Gallo ends up piggybacking on this and he's like, yeah, I think it's a great idea. And like the look Ritter gives him <laughs> is amazing. Oh my God, it's so good. It's so good. So later on, Herman is still insisting on setting up Ritter and Ritter's like, fine, we can go to coffee, whatever. So they get to the coffee and literally it's only good for the two seconds when they walk in the door. And then it all goes to shit because Andy, this guy that Herman set him up with, is the worst. Did you notice that we're just kind of not wearing masks inside of this coffee place? No, we are not. Like, you don't always have to, like, drive home the point that we're wearing masks, but, like, in different establishments, you're going to see them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just, just throwing that out there. Throwing that out there. Food for thought. Um, but anyway, so Andy is the worst. Mm-hmm. And Ritter soon puts together that Andy is actually Eric's ex that Eric was always complaining about. And Ritter just says, you know, Eric is the kindest, most thoughtful guy you'll ever meet, and you never deserved a single day you spent with him which I love. And of course, just as Ritter is telling Herman about his terrible date, Eric shows up to the firehouse. And he heard about how Ritter went to bat for him and just wanted to say thanks. And also he misses him and it's just so cute. And they go to Molly's together later and yeah, they're back together. Listen, when our, when our faves are happy, we are happy. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah, so that is Ritter. Um, Emily said, we had classic Herman this week. I've missed his antics and charisma this season. His storyline with Ritter was awkward yet endearing. I always love to see him in a fatherly role, truly caring for the people he serves with. Yeah, yeah. That, it, it was very much like, that. it was, it was very much that this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Casey said, when I say my jaw hit the floor when Ritter was on that date, what is the male version of a Karen? Because Andy is that. I think it's a Chad. Have you heard this? I think it is a Chad. Yeah. I'm looking this up. Hold on. I've just kind of like heard through the grapevine it's a Chad. <laughs> While you're looking that up. So Casey said, I'm so glad that Ritter and Eric eventually found their way back to each other. And I hope we get to see more of that relationship in the future. Also, we love supportive dad Herman. We absolutely love supportive dad Herman. Mm -hmm. I wish I had a supportive dad Herman to cheer me on sometimes. (laughs) How's your Google search going? Um, There's no apparently like similar term. I've seen a bunch of just like generic white dude names though. (laughs) But no official like Karen term. Yeah, I'm like, I'm trying to think like what would be a male Karen name, but. Well, because I keep seeing, you know, like John, Bill, Ritter, er, Richard, Ritter, Ritter. John is too generic. Um, this is from a random website and, you know, it was saying like, oh, we've heard it's Chad, Chaz, Eric, Steve. Um, 
Alan. So, I don't know. I don't think there's an official answer. Hmm. Male Karen it is. Mm-hmm. Any other notes on fire? No, but I loved, loved, loved this episode. This was a very nice, enjoyable episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. nice. And just all the Bretzy, I just, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I feel like I just need to, like, you know that song that's like, ain't nothing gonna break my stride? <laughs> like, that is me right now. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Just kind of skipping your way through One Chicago Wednesday. Yeah. Nice, nice. And then it all just, like, because PD was, like... PD wasn't bad. It wasn't no. as, like, yeah, it no, wasn't it wasn't as, like, bad at all, but it was an emotional roller coaster. Very emotional. Like, but it, oh, it, my God. It wasn't as, like, soul-crushing as last week. No, but it was, like, emotional. And so, like, on these other ones, I'm like, yeah, let's do this. And then I get to PD, and I'm like, oh, man, my heart, it hurts. Time to be sad. Yeah. All right, it's PD time. Stretch it out like we always do. Yep. Stretch those shoulders. But actually, though, stretching those arms, you always got to stretch it out before PD because it's doozy. All right. Oh boy. Okay. This was like the upset goodness. Okay. So we start this episode. Haley and Jay are back in bed. They're waking up on their day off together. Cue the Taylor Swift Bridgerton music. question though mm-hmm. for intelligence days off how does this work do they just get a random day off in the week do they all get the same day off do they have to alternate like you know Haley and jay have say like this is a tuesday off and then you know ruzik and atwater get thursdays off like i just i need to know how this works i imagine that it's like rotating maybe so like the that. rest of intelligence was still working and Haley and Jay just happened to have this random, I'm just going to say it's a Tuesday, a random Tuesday off. Yeah, I, I think, I think that's how it works. I just was like, I just kind of, once they said, oh yeah, we have a day off. I was like, okay, well, how does this work? I would because pay good money. Like, it's Go not ahead. like they're just typical beat cops, right? Like, or, you know, even like the firefighters, you know, it's 24 on, 48 off. No, I, I think they, I think they, I think it's like a nine to five for them. I mean, granted, they're never well, off at five, but like, it, yeah, it's like that. Say, yeah. But then, so I guess they just get random days off in the week. I don't know. I was just, just curious, just throwing stuff out there. Think, I think, hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I was just throwing stuff out there. I just thought about it because they said day off. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I, I mean, like the first line of the episode, I was just completely dead. She's like, I want you and then I want coffee and then I want waffles and then I want to go to the range. Like, I just, I can't form words. Like, it's just so good. Yeah, it's so good. So then Jay just says, he's like, I love that and I love you. He said it. He said he it. Said it. <laughs> Cue the Bridgerton music <laughs> The Bridgerton music. It's like Pee Wee's Playhouse. Like, that's the magic word. <laughs> uh, and I mean, it was very like organic too. It wasn't, it wasn't something where he was like ready to just kind of, he didn't think about it. It just happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But of course, then she freaks out. So poor Haley. I know. Yeah, I know. So, uh, and and I love that it followed when she was like, "I I want you coffee waffles, and then I want to go to the range." Like, of course, he just said, "I love you." You just described like Jay's ideal day off. Mm-hmm. So she kind of freaks out. She runs into her bathroom. Uh, do you remember doing the set tour on One Chicago Wednesday? How they showed us Haley's apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, when LaRae's like pans over, he's like, oh, this is Haley's bathroom. I'm like, what the hell do they have that for? We never see it. Now we see now it. Now we know why. Now yeah. we know why. Yep. So she very quickly gets ready. She heads out the door. She makes up an excuse about taking her car to the shop. Jay is very even keeled the entire time. Cause like he's like making coffee and she's like, I have to take my car to the shop. And he totally knows what's going on, but he's just smiling. He's like, all right, Haley, like go work out your stuff. Like I know what's going on. It's okay. <laughs> such growth from him though because we used to see you know obviously this happened with Linstead and Aaron would like shut him out and he would not have had the same approach Mm-mm. he's just he's grown a lot yeah he's a lot more secure in this relationship yeah for sure yeah so Haley's driving when she turns on her radio why are you turning on your radio on your day off that's what I'm saying I was just I, curious she, I, she, yeah. she was never taking her car to the shop like she was just driving i guess okay all right so she gets a missing persons case neighbor called it in mom dad little girl all missing she goes in the house calls in the crime lab the rest of intelligence there's things are off right like the um like the beds are made but like the mattress is completely dirty there's like a random square of blood on the floor Mm-hmm. uh so yeah, they call the crime lab. Burgess runs the name that the landlord gave her. It's Ray Clarton. And it turns out that Ray Clarton's a dead guy. It just, he's been using a fake name this entire time. Um, and the wife and the daughter, neither one of them exist on paper. So the wife's name is Helen. The daughter's name is Becca. Neither one of them exists. I'll be honest with you. I have no idea what happened in this case. This is one of those episodes. Really? I have no idea. Oh, see, I didn't last night, but the, when I rewatched it today, I like got it better, which is normally what happens to me. I don't know, like the I don't I, I still don't know like the detail details of the case. I'm like, yeah, okay, so Ray, Helen, Becca, we were looking for Becca. That's it. I'm like, I don't remember. Ray's a con man. I don't know what he did though. Yeah, <laughs> Ray's a con man, and basically he was trying to make you know he's been a con man for like 20 years, and then he was trying to make a bigger move. It got hooked up with this guy, uh, Hermanes. And who's like a player for the like um, Albanian mafia or whatever. And Ray ends up basically stealing money from them, you know, so they go after their money. Got it. And that's why they've kidnapped him and his family. I feel like it's it's not a bad thing when we say like we couldn't keep up with this case. I feel like that's almost a compliment. It means that these writers crafted a very intricate, well-layered, detail-oriented story. I also feel like, though, this episode wasn't as, I mean, yes, it was case heavy, but it was so, so much of that reflected on Haley and who Haley is that it felt, this was, I think, the most personal we've gotten this season. Yeah. And I I really liked it. Yeah, I'll agree with that. So uh, the neighbor is brought in for questioning. She just says, like, they were a completely normal family. So Haley asks the daughter whether she and Becca were friends, but the girl's like, oh, we didn't go to the same school. Like, no, we're not friends. And the neighbor makes this comment about how they were kind of old school and the girls just didn't really seem independent. 
So, mm-hmm. and Haley's Haley's spidey senses are tingling right off the bat. Like she she knows right off the bat that like something there's something abusive happening here. Mm-hmm. Like her instincts are just in it. So they pull fingerprints off this guy's shoes. It comes back to the real like the real Ray, and it's not Clarton. It's Ray Ames, and he's got a long ass rap sheet. Long. Mm-hmm. So again, Haley, Haley's just, she's seen this before. She knows what's happening and she's like, no, there's abuse here. Like it's physical, it's emotional, there's abuse. So they get a hit on Ray's card being used at an ATM. They pull the footage and, you know, he withdrew his whole entire account and whatever. But then what happens is that the dad and Becca, like they turn around and a guy grabs them. So now they're like, well, what the hell? Like, mm-hmm. where does this go? So... Jay and Haley, they go back to the house the next day to look for any more clues. And Haley just had a like, she's she apologizes for that morning. She's like, I just got overwhelmed. I panicked. I'm sorry. And like Jay, it's not his calm voice, but like, it's the way he says her name and like that kind of like, Haley, like, it's okay. You know? Um, and he just tells her, he's like, there's a missing girl. We don't have to do this right now. And it's not like a passive aggressive. We don't have to do this. It's a, and I understand like, don't worry like about it missing girl yeah yeah don't worry about it it's that like yeah boyfriend jay man mm-hmm. it's nice mm-hmm. it's nice so Haley sees annie through the window goes over to speak with her and we find out that becca and annie were best friends they used flashlights to communicate uh and anytime that things got bad at becca's they would use the flashlights and that's how annie would know to go downstairs and let her in and Haley tells this whole story about how like she used to do something very similar so this moment when they explain the whole thing with the flashlights, when Jay is like, okay, they use the flashlights to communicate. This is what happened, blah, blah, blah. They pan to Ruzik for a second and Ruzik goes, you're kidding me. And this brings up this, it just brought up a question for me. Okay. Is it me or do the, the team rallies around Haley in this episode in a way that we don't see? Why is it that the team rallies around a case that Haley picks up, but they don't rally around something when it happens to Kevin? You know, it's a great question. Do you, do you see what I mean? I see what you mean, and I definitely agree, but I don't have an answer for you. Like in this episode, they're like, Haley caught a case. Let's do this. We believe her instincts. We believe everything she's telling us. We're going to find this girl. Like, let's go. Night in Chicago happens and nobody checks on Kevin. I think though with that specific instance, and I'm not saying this is right. I think it has to do with the fact that it's like, it has to do with the cops. And obviously they're all cops and nobody wants to step on other toes and you know offend other people whatever in that specific instance but I do think your point is valid and I agree even when Jordan was in hot water Kevin was on his own Mm -hmm. yeah that's not okay Mm -hmm. there was also a lack of Kevin in this episode I know like I know not in the sense that like, oh, he was just in the background. No, he was completely missing at times. Also, what is, I can never, I can't remember it yet. Clue Andre. Lombardo's, Andre. Andre was like MIA. He wasn't even in this episode. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. We were under the impression that Andre was a regular. Like, I thought Cleveland was like in, 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 in. Like, he was part of the show now. That's what De- or Variety said. And it, it turns out it was just the three episode arc. I don't know. Don't know. 
Don't know. But I feel like if they don't mention it again, then that's just weird. But also, where the hell did Rojas go? We still don't, don't know. know. Yep. Don't know. Yeah. We'll never know. The world may never know. <laughs> but there, there, there was a very noticeable lack of Kevin last night or Wednesday night. And it wasn't, it wasn't even in the like, oh, this episode is just not about him. He's in the background. No, there were scenes in the bullpen where he wasn't even there. I have no idea. What? What? Like, I could say it's like COVID things too, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Weird. Like, I don't know. Weird. And not a lot of representation in this episode, was there? No. That's. But there's not a lot of representation on the show anyway, so. There really isn't. That's concerning. It's been concerning for a very long time. The fact that PD, I mean, this has nothing to do with this episode, but PD has never had an LGBTQ character. Ever. Ever. And for a show that was so heavily under the microscope last summer, even though it was in hiatus, you would almost expect, you, you would hope that they would make efforts to fix some things. I feel like they haven't. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I didn't really think that much into Kevin not being in this episode that much only because I know with COVID, sometimes they've been focusing more on like pairings for PD, you know? So like you see a lot of Ruzik and Adam scenes, you see a lot of, you know, Jay and Haley scenes, you know, even there was a scene in this episode where it's like Voight and Kim and then Haley and Jay go look for the, you know, whatever. And like, so I feel like I didn't really think that much of it. And like, sometimes people are just not as, you know, especially in PD where they're very one character focused episodes. Like sometimes we just don't see, you know, a lot of other people. I just can't recall a time that we've ever had like an Atwater episode and then just been like, oh, Burgess is missing from the bullpen. I feel like they're all of them are always present and accounted for. Burgess has definitely been missing sometimes from bullpen scenes and it it's happened before. Or like you don't see as much of Jay in like, I think the last Atwater episode like when did we really see jay he was there but he was, but was he in bullpen scenes yeah okay like, okay like we i mean like the same thing here like kevin was there he just wasn't there in every scene totally fair that's valid that's yeah that's totally so, fair i need to go back and look i just yeah like i understand what your point is too i just didn't really it didn't cross my mind for this specifically now mm-hmm. if you told me kevin's gone from like three weeks in a row then yeah that's a different story Right. But I, you know, when they're so heavily focused on one character, it, it's just not going to be like Kevin's in every scene, every oh. bullpen scene specifically. I, it just isn't going to happen that way, I don't think. But I do feel like they rally around other characters in their cases more yes. so than they rally yes. around. I think that point is very valid, but yeah. like the other point, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I mean, you know, I'm not saying like they shouldn't have rallied around Haley. They're a family. They absolutely should always rally around each other, but um, we get more details from there. You know, um, Annie just talks about the night that the Clartons disappeared. There was a man in their house who took them all away. Mrs. Clarton looked hurt. That's great. Not great, but you know what I mean? Like blah, blah, blah. We're moving along. So they find the car in pod footage and they go to the last place where they see the car and Haley goes to the underpass and they find her body in the snow. 
by her you mean mrs Ms. gardens it's yeah. gruesome mm-hmm. yeah they've like taken her teeth out and they've obviously gotten rid of her fingerprints so whoever did that like knew what they were doing so messed up mm-hmm. god oh um, and then that moment when Voight's like, so they killed her, pulled her teeth out, and then burned off her fingerprints. And Haley's like, let's hope in that order. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Ooh. So, Brandon, take it from here. Okay. So, they end up getting an ID on the f- offender, and it's this guy named Alejandro Hermanes. And the theory is that, like I said earlier, Ray stole some money from the Albanian crew that Hermanes is working for. Yada, 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 yada. So they don't have an LKA for Hermanes, but they do know the brothel where he likes to hang out. So Upstead goes to visit and finds out his address. So is the hallmark of any healthy Halstead relationship if they go to a sex club together? Yes. Okay. So Jay and Camilla were never going to last because they never went to the sex club. Yes. Noted. Got it. (laughs) Moving on now. (laughs) Glad we cleared that up. Yeah. Anyway, so they go and they find out this guy's address. So Upset rolls up on his address and spots Hermana's, you know, coming out of his trailer. Uh, Void tells them specifically to stand back because they're on the phone trying to get an arrest warrant. And Haley's like, you know what? I'm going after him anyway. And like legitimately tackles him. That was a flawless tackle, though. I gave it a 10.0. Like, she yes. got a lot of air. hmm But Haley, of course, can't even stop herself from going into Hermanas' house. and But she doesn't find Becca or Ray, but she does find Becca's jacket. So her gut is telling her, like, he has them. Okay, but Voight was so pissed off about this. But, like, when she was like, no, like, there was a good chance they were in there. I was like, yeah, like, also, hi, exigent circumstance. She thought she was in there. She's fine. She's covered. Like, that's, you don't need a warrant if you think that somebody's in danger. So, like, whatever, Voight. And then the minute she said that, she was like, we'll get an ASA to backstop it. Like, exigent circumstance. I was like, thank you. Thank you, Haley. We're on the same page. We're on the same page. So, Upton shows an array of photos to Annie so she can try to ID him and, you know, confirm that they have the right guy. Um, but Annie can't really make a decision. She's like, I don't, you know, I don't think any of these are it, whatever. But then discreetly using her finger, Haley tells Annie, like, which one she should pick. Ooh, I didn't catch that. Mm-hmm. Because she, like, takes the paper back and she looks at it and she's like, why don't you try again? And, like, with her... But, like, she has her hand like this, and the way that it's, like, spread out enough, though, that she she's, like, pointing at that thing. Oh, I did not even see that. Mm-hmm. Good catch. Yeah. And then that's why Annie hesitates. She's like, him. It, it, it was him. You know, like, she, like, hesitates, but, mm-hmm. like, because Upton's pointing to it. And basically, like, pressure her to tell, you know, be like, oh, it was Hermana's. Duh. Ooh. Um. Anyway, so they try to question Hermanas and tell him, like, they don't even really care about Ray at this point. Like, they just want Becca. Um, but Hermanas is like, I don't know who you're talking about, of course. So they learned that Hermanas, you know, they're going through his financials. They're pretty clean. Uh, but the only thing they see on there is this regular deposit that Hermanas makes to a long-term care facility. And Haley wants to threaten him with ICE. So... But they can't ID people's citizenship. This was cringy. Mm-hmm. This was cringy. Really um, 
and she's like you know sarge it would work like we've crossed worse lines before and he's like did you not hear me say no so we got a question from a couple of people who were just like why was this illegal i like why i don't know is the answer but i don't know the official answer but if chicago i I think i think it's a matter of like kind of baiting the person into like you're using ice under false pretenses well i don't know if you saw this question in our patreon group Mm -hmm. um that allison tagged you in and she had Mm -hmm. said like can someone explain why Haley's ice threat was illegal i'm watching reruns on eye on while work and while i work and episode 621 jay goes to talk to a possible witness for information when the guy says he didn't see anything jay asks for working papers and if they aren't provided he'll contact ice i thought chicago was a sanctuary city and status could never be asked for so was jay breaking the law in that episode and then she said would love to see some legal insight if anyone has it looking at you gina yeah, and um, I'm I'm like googling this right now, trying to see like exactly what this means because this is this is an area I never had experience in. Um, okay, so sanctuary city, cities of Chicago. Let's see what we find here. Okay, so this is a PDF. Let's see. Okay, um, the city will not ask about your immigration status, disclose that information to authorities, or deny you city services based on your immigration status. Okay, so. Uh, yeah, I think it is because they're in, um, they, okay, so why does Chicago choose not to partner with ICE to deport undocumented individuals? Partnering with ICE would go against our mission to make Chicago the most immigrant-friendly city in the country and turn ours into a community of fear for immigrants. It is exactly because Chicago is a sanctuary city. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, oh, there's a question here and here. So it says, are there any circumstances in which undocumented individuals will be detained by CPD? The only situations in which Chicago will detain undocumented individuals are if they are wanted on a criminal warrant by local or federal authorities, if they've been convicted of a serious crime and remain in the U.S. illegally, or if they are otherwise a clear threat to public safety or national security. You can't bring ICE upon them. You can't bring ICE to them. Like, you just, you can't use ICE to, like, trap them into something is basically. Right. Yeah. Right. And in this case, too, specifically, they weren't even trying to go after Hermanus because he's legal. They were trying to go after whoever this family member is that he's been paying for for the long term care facility. So it, the assumption from Haley that her like the family was illegal, I was just like, ooh, ooh, pull it back, pull it back. Like, yeah, a little not dicey. Good. Not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's why. And like, so like I said, Voight says like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. So Haley walks outside and Jay follows her and they have a long and important conversation. What is going on? There's a little kid missing. I know that. What's going on with you? What, all of this, you, you're spinning out. Spinning out? Yeah, you're going to tell me you're not? You're going to tell me it's fine, that you're all good? Then shut me out? Go jeopardize your job some more? I don't know if it's Ray or Becca or if this all reminds you of your past, but something's wrong. I just want you to talk to me and tell me how you're feeling so I can help you. So you can help. What do you want to know, Jay? Why I'm crossing lines, why I'm fine with it, why I shut you out, why I shut down this morning? Nope, that's not it at all. But this is what you do. Okay, so then why don't you ask the real question? What's wrong with me? Exactly how screwed up am I? And at what point do you cut your losses and run? Because that's what you want to know, Jay. I can't answer that. 
You know what I realized in this moment is that they are way more similar than I ever thought. Explain. Haley and Jay. Because anytime we've seen Haley try to pull Jay back from the ledge, he's like, oh, you think I need help? Like, I'm fine. Like, leave me alone. I'm good. Um, and they both kind of, it's not really projecting, but they both get defensive and lash out. Because remember in 702 after Jay's dad died, 602. 602? Um, yeah. No, yeah, 602 of PD. Yeah, when, you know, Haley was like, give me your keys. Like, you're going to fuck this up. I'm not letting you do that. And he just goes, well, you're just mad from whatever daddy-daughter stuff has you screwed up. So, like, he got defensive. He lashed out. And then in this moment, we got this from Haley when she said she's like, you know, you're just trying to figure out how screwed up I am so you can cut your losses and run. Mm-hmm. Very similar. But also that broke my heart. Yeah, as soon as she said that, and that's like the last thing she said, I was like, damn. She feels like she's not worthy of him. And that's just so sad. Yeah, I mean, I get it, though, like, based on her past, like, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sucks. Um, so back in the bullpen, Haley and Burgess are chatting, and Haley starts remembering that Hermanus was, like, walking to his shed with his gun when he and Jay, or when she and Jay came upon him. So Haley's like, okay, well, let's pull the blueprint, the blueprints. So they pull the blueprints of the property and they find that Hermanus had three underground storage areas on his property because it used to be a factory there and it was part of the factory. And so they still exist though. And so they ultimately end up finding Ray dead, but Becca alive in one of these storage facilities. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but so back in the district, Haley and Voight have a chat in his office. And she even admits, though, which I think was interesting. Mm-hmm. She even admits that, like, she would have used ice if it hadn't been for Voight or Jay. You don't know my family. I know you. My dad's not some villain from a gothic novel. I get that. Haley, you got a gun in the badge. You're bigger now. every monster I see is my dad. Are they? Every hurt little kid is me. What, am I unfit to be a cop? If you're unfit, I'm unfit. There's a lot that's unsaid here, but, like, a lot that you can deduce. So, I think that comment when he says, if you're unfit, I'm unfit, I think that's him saying, my dad used to beat me too. That's what you took? Uh-huh. What did you take? I don't know what I took from it. That wasn't it. But I don't know. Or maybe it's not that specific. Maybe it's just because the whole lead up to this that she was like, she was like, what, you think every bad guy is my dad and every hurt little kid is me? Like, does that make me unfit? And then he said, if you're unfit, I'm unfit. So maybe it's a little bit more broad than that. And he's just saying that like, past traumas follow me too and they influence my decisions too yeah that's kind of more what i was thinking um i didn't take it as abuse necessarily but i mean i guess i could see that Hmm. and then you know that was that was one thing and then i i did like how she was like when she was like i want to get better you know i don't want to be this when he said he was like i think you should because you know the path you're on right now like it's really going to cost you i think what that means is that they're Voight knows that there is a darkness inside of her that is very similar to his own. Mm-hmm. And I think he knows that every single person in intelligence has a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. But 
he doesn't like he knows that he can handle it i think he knows that that darkness is so powerful though that he worries about how the unit would handle it you know he doesn't he knows that he can control it but like can ruzik can atwater can jay when that darkness gets really bad right and i think he started to see that in pd season five when we get the ruzik denny stuff Mm -hmm. um for the kind of, you know, the first time when we see Ruzik kind of being the first to slowly turn a little bit. Um, I think he's kind of been more aware of it since then. But yeah, I definitely think he sees that in her for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a darkness in her yeah. that is there. But yeah, I mean, I just, I, feel, I just felt bad for her. That I, She's just like, I, I think she just hasn't really, I mean, it's stuff she doesn't want to deal with, right? And who can blame her? Right. But I did really appreciate the fact that, first of all, I didn't expect a scene like this between Haley and Voight, mm-hmm. but I can appreciate the fact that Haley felt comfortable enough to open up to him. Yes. Um, in some ways, because I feel like we haven't, we may have seen some earlier on, but we haven't really seen Voight have these kind of conversations with any of his people in a while. Um, and so it was just like really refreshing to see. Very refreshing. Yeah. Did um did you get the vibe in this episode that Haley deals with anxiety? Yeah, I could have gotten that. I didn't really think about it until I saw you had made a comment about it in our outline, but yeah. There were times where I was just like, she's gonna work herself into a panic attack. Mm-hmm. Like I could just see it. So yeah, I think I think that it definitely kind of got her going, but yeah, I, I definitely got that hint that like I think she deals with anxiety, and I think I think it's just kind of that she 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 can't really channel like she doesn't know where to channel that that those feelings, right? Um, which is hard. I mean, I feel like most people work their entire lives to figure out how to channel that energy, but yeah, you know. Did you also one more thing, and then I'll shut up. I promise. Um, did you read anything into the fact that they had coffee and not like whatever alcohol Voight keeps in his office? No. I found that interesting. I was like, is Haley like sober or something? Do we not know that? But mm-hmm. maybe not. Maybe uh, that's just me reading into things. Okay, well, he, he makes the, I mean, he's the one that makes the comment about he was going for a cup of coffee if he she wanted to join him. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe he just didn't want to drink. He was going to have coffee. In all fairness, they were waiting on the call from Med that she was okay. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so Haley returns back to her place and finds Jay waiting for her outside the door, just like, you know, she'd asked him to come. And yeah, we get Haley, like, finally just opening up. Maybe there's some part of me that every time I hear I love you, I'm just waiting for the punch. For the, I'm sorry, that's going to come. I don't know how to do this, but but I want to. I want to so badly. I want to be with you. I want to learn to do this. I want, I want to be better. I'll figure it out. Because I want to be with you too. I'm not going anywhere, Ellie. Really, I'm not. 
I love this. I, uh, yes, yes. I don't know what I expected from this, but this was not it. And I loved every second of it. Right. Because I kind of thought we were going to get one or the other when, from Haley's side. I thought we were going to kind of get her opening up completely about everything or like how she was feeling and why she felt that way or the I love you. I didn't think we were really get both. Yeah, I was surprised when she reciprocated it. I, I was really surprised when she like the way she gave it to him. She was just like, I love you so much. I was like, oh, OK. Yeah. Because when he says he's like, well, then we'll figure it out. I kind of thought that was where the episode was going to end. Mm-hmm. And I would have been like, OK, cool. Like I was here for that. But then he says he keeps going. He's like, you know, I want to be with you, too. Like, I'm not going anywhere. And then she says, like, I love you like so much. And I was like, oh. He is, this is the most secure I've seen him in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. exactly what Haley needs right now. Like, he, she needs a rock, and he is there. Yeah. I just, I love everything about it. They're so good together. Yeah, I love this scene. And, like, remember how, like, in the early days, we would talk about how, like, once who's going to make the first move and who's going to do it? And I want to say that we were so, like... We were so sure that Haley was so confident with herself that she would have had no problem making the first move. And like this scene was the complete opposite of that. Are you talking about first move in terms of I love you or just first move in general? Because she did make the first move. Um, Because like I, she made the first move. She's the one that went in for the kiss. I think in general, but I, I, I always imagined her being more sure of herself and like more confident and just being like, here's the deal. Like, I like you. And it's it's the complete opposite of what we thought. And I love that we're seeing that raw, vulnerable side of Haley. I don't know. I feel like we got that when she first, you know, when they got together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, we definitely, I didn't think Jay was going to be the first one to say I love you. And he was. Glad he did, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So many people had so much to say about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so Megan said, I love that we're getting more of Haley's backstory. Jay has scared or scared her so many times. I guess it's time for him to have the same feeling. Um, she also said the upset scene at the end really warmed my heart and made me smile. Finally, Haley and Jay have found their person. They put each other first because no one else in their lives have. Yeah. Um, and she also had a comment. She said, Hank is being so ironic this season. Since when has he followed the rules? He's the champion of heart to hearts though. He really is. Like, it's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely weird. So, yeah. Like, it's it's weird how he, he it, it, like, the way he conducts himself, like, when they're working and stuff, and just the, like, the, seeing that void and then knowing that he can also, you know, sit down and have a drink with the people on his team and, like, really, you know, talk to them about, you know, the heart of things, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch. Yeah, for sure. So Upstead PD 21st said, I really didn't expect Haley to say, I love you back, which would have been fine considering past trauma, but I'm so glad she did. And I'm glad she didn't say, I love you at the beginning because it made her saying it at the end that much more special and authentic. Yes. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That made it even better. Um, they said, I really think her and Jay are in it for the long haul. I think the tough point that were the tough points that were brought up for them really needed to happen in order for them to proceed with their relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Allie said the fact that Chaley's childhood trauma caused her to react like that or re like react like that to the words I love you broke my heart. Those words shouldn't make anyone panic and literally bolt in the other direction. If anyone can show Haley what a healthy relationship should look like, it's Jay. We saw that journey begin with the ending scene, how he stayed even after her deepest, darkest parts. And I definitely believe that they can get through it and become stronger together. I do love um, that. Yeah. Allie also said the upset really, or the episode really up showcased the upset partnership and relationship. One of them goes to a dark place and pushes everyone away, but the other always stays and they end up talking out. They're also the only ones who can get through to each other like that. And that's what makes them so great together. Um, she also said, I thought the conversation between Boyd and Haley about crossing lines was really important, especially with everything Haley did last season. I also noticed how Boyd has almost become the Dr. Charles of PD, which is weird considering who he was in earlier seasons. Do you guys think this is good character development or does it seem off? What do you think? I think it can kind of be both, honestly. I like, agree with that. I think in some ways it is a little jarring um and i'm still not quite sure how to feel about it but on the other hand like i definitely don't think even though void definitely still has questionable tactics like i think void has changed a lot as a leader and how he leads intelligence because he's lost a lot of people and especially in the time that we've seen him and known him um so i think that has played an impact on how he treats his members and you know is able to have why he's able to have some of these heart to hearts with them i could not have said that better i echo that yeah so emily s said i was glad to see that it was more character heavy than case heavy we've seen Haley go hard for a case before but i love the way they tied her messy family upbringing in with not only her sense of love and security with jay but with the case that she caught trying to run away from confronting her feelings jay's reaction was perfection was giving Haley the space she needed to work through her emotions, but also being there for her all the way and not passing judgment. The world needs more boyfriends like Jay Hall's dead. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Um, Emily also said, I also found that I was drawn into Voight on Wednesday night. Since when Chicago started, I've held a mostly hate relationship with Hank. Anytime I think he's changed, he goes back to his dirty ways and I lose any and all respect for him that has built up. I feel that this year with the way that policing is being scrutinized, I'm having a new appreciation for Voight. His hot-headedness is falling more to the wayside and he's thinking practically about the way that they can do things that will not only bring justice, but also keep their integrity intact. He's come a long way and I was proud of him last night for his fatherly conversation with Haley. I'm anxious to see more of the side of Voight in the future. Fair, that is a fair assessment mm -hmm. of Hank right now. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Um, Casey said, can I just first say that Tracy deserves all the awards for that episode? I'm not a crier by any means, but boy, the tears were flowing last night. That opening scene before it all went to shit, adorable. <laughs> Haley's initial reaction to Jay's love confession was 100% valid and justified, and it showed just how much she's had to deal with in the past. And the fact that she thought Jay would leave her because of how much her past affects her, heartbreaking. That scene in the parking lot was so emotional, and I'm sure Haley was, Haley watching jay walk away made her think the worst and that he was giving up on her the scene with Haley voight was so powerful and i think that Haley is starting to realize that her past does not make her a bad person a bad cop or unworthy of love and then comes the cinematic masterpiece that is the closing <laughs> scene i will be watching that scene a million more times that was everything i could ever hope for, for out of an upstead scene and more seeing Haley shocked by jay wanting to stay literally killed me and my heart broke for her 
Finally hearing Haley tell Jay that she loves him so much was like music to my ears. It just goes to show how much Jay and Haley trust and respect each other and that they are both very much invested in this relationship. Jay being nearly brought to tears and telling Haley that he wants to be with her and he wasn't going anywhere shows how perfect he is. We all need to find our own Jay Halstead. So sweet. I love Samantha said in all caps, we got an upstead I love you and an upstead hug. Upstead's my number one PD ship, so my heart was happy this week. Jay responding, you asked me to, when Haley said you came outside her apartment, gave me I'd follow you anywhere vibes. He really would follow Haley anywhere. There's so much more I could say about Upstead. Like, I could literally go on a rant, but I'll spare you guys and just leave it at that. This is why we are here, is for you to rant. Mm-hmm. Please, send us a novel. Rant your heart out. Please do send us a novel. We love it. We love it. Uh, Samantha also said, can we please assemble the Haley Upton protection squad? It breaks my heart that she can't even hear I love you without expecting something bad to accompany it. Thank goodness she has Jay there to reassure her that he isn't going anywhere. He's going to be there for her, whatever she needs. But for real, protect Haley Upton at all costs. I have a list of one Chicago characters that I want to protect at all costs. And Haley is definitely on that list. I mean, I just want to protect everybody. Mm-hmm. Same. Same. Just everybody. Yeah. So any other notes on PD? I think aside from the Atwater storylines, which I think are just in a different class, I think this is my favorite episode this season. It is good. I really enjoyed it. It Mm -hmm. felt more personal to me and less case heavy. Yeah. Which I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's almost like every aspect of the case reflected Haley's past in some Mm -hmm. way, shape or form. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think it worked really well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's good stuff. So um, also worth noting, this episode was written by Gwen Segan, mm-hmm. um, and she has broken our hearts many times in the past. So uh, this is good that you know she didn't break our hearts this time. Also, I feel like it's worth noting since we hadn't mentioned it already that every episode this week was directed by a female. Girl. Yes, love it. Just, I love hearing that. And I think it's so cool. Awesome. So awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's about all we've got, isn't it? I think that is all we got. As always, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's Meet Us at Molly's right across the board. Do you have any requests for gift sets? I haven't made a gift set in a long time. Let me get back to you on that. (laughs) <laughs> i had an idea for one but i i can't figure out how to shrink the gifts down so and, and, and it's tumblr speak i don't know give me some cute violet and gallo gifts i will work on that i tried to find something i was looking for any kind of violet and gallo gift to tweet out when i was tweeting about um hanako and that interview or whatever and like it was so hard so i need some like violet and gallo gift sets please i'll work on it Okay, thank you. Yeah, if you wanted to do the gym scene from last season, I wouldn't complain. If you wanted to do their bread baking stuff from this, I mean, I'm I, whatever, it's fine. That's a that's a good idea. That's a good idea. So, um, yeah, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. You guys email us anytime about anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Anything. Our inbox is a safe space. Safe space. It doesn't have to be about one Chicago. If you have questions for us, go for it. Like. You want to talk about something else? Let's talk about something else. Totally fine. Mm -hmm. 
Inbox is a safe space. Um, if you like the show, which we really hope you do, please, 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 if you don't mind, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We would so greatly appreciate that. Um, follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Gina Watches TV. Bryna? I am at Bryna K13. Uh, if you would like to support the podcast for as little as $2 a month, please check out the link to our Patreon and our socials. Lots of fun stuff there. Um, next week, we are the shows are off, and we are going to take the week off as well. Uh, so yes. you won't hear from us next week. You will hear from us the week after. Um, sometimes real life does that thing where we just need to tend to it. Yeah, I'm getting my second COVID shot on Wednesday, so I probably would have been fine to record, but I was already planning to mention to you that, like, I probably would have needed you to take over live tweeting because that was not going to happen. So I'm glad that they're not airing because I have a feeling I'm not going to do so hot. Yeah, so so we're going to take next week off. Um, you won't hear from us. We'll be tweeting, though. I mean, you, you can't get rid of us. So, um, yeah, so in the meantime, everybody have a good weekend. Have a good week next week, and we will see you probably in two weeks when the shows come back. So, yes. all right. Bye guys.